Welcome to the Nine Brawl Podcast, where we tackle daily life challenges and apply God's word to illuminate and preserve his truth while leading others to salvation through Christ Jesus. Let's join your hosts. Welcome to the Nine Brawl Podcast. This is Jeff Anthony and our friend of the show, Mr. Clint Walker. Clint, welcome back, bud. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so uh, Sean is out of town this week, so uh, I'm going to go ahead and apologize that you got probably the two worst people to do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad enough that Sean and I already talk a long time, but you and I, yeah, that's, we, that's we, a whole we, other level. I, I mean, it, it could be a lot more nonsense than what Sean usually talks about. He, he brings smarts into it a lot more. He's got a library of knowledge, like literally. Yeah. And uh, mine's just speculative. Yeah. yeah it, which we just found out that library is now uh, in order, alphabetized and by, author by author and section. So yeah. um, when I need a half price book, I'll go to Mr. Sean. Yeah. And just bring it back. <laughs> All right. So uh, this, this week, uh, because Sean's not here, obviously, he's the apologist of, uh, of the group. Uh, what we did is um, we did blind reacts to an interview by Frank Turek, and uh, I do not remember her name, but it will be in the credits. Okay. Uh, but uh, what I do know that this young lady is a YouTuber, and she used to be a new age person, so who's now uh, following Christ, and she's a, a, a big apologist herself now awesome. as well. Uh, so she is part of the cross-examine team with Frank. So uh, I thought it'd be great for us to uh, jump in and take a look and see. All right. The first question, believing in God is for dumb people. Evolution answers the question of how we got here. So how do we know that a God even exists? That's so dumb. (laughs) (laughs) That's how we start. It's for, let's start, let's start a question with an insult. That's always helpful, right? (laughs) Religion is for... Religion is for dumb people. Well, it look, is. You, it, you are unintellectual if you believe in God. Okay, well, let's start by saying that reason itself needs to be explained. Mm. Uh, and if people are going to say, well, you're dumb for believing in something, what that person's presupposing is that it would be intelligent to believe something else. But why does reason exist to begin with? Why can we use a three-pound organ between our skulls uh, to try and ascertain truths outside of our skulls. Why can we do that at all? I mean, it's like when when atheists say, well, there's no evidence for God. I sometimes want to say to them, why is there evidence for anything? I mean, why can we ascertain truths about the real world and draw conclusions about them? Mm -hmm. And the answer is, in my view, is because our mind is made in the image of the great mind. And there are these immaterial laws out there called the laws of logic that are grounded in God's nature that allow us to ascertain truths about the real world. Mm -hmm. So intelligence itself needs to be explained when people say you're dumb if you don't believe X, Y, or Z. Well, they're assuming that intelligence exists. But let me even back out further than that, Melissa, and say this. When, When people ask me, how do you know that God exists? My answer is because... God explains effects that we can all see around us. In other words, we're reasoning from effect to cause. And this is what scientists do. When they have an effect, they're trying to figure out what caused it. So one example of an effect is creation itself. 
We, we know that the universe had a beginning. That's the effect. So we're trying to reason back to a cause. And if space, matter, and time is an effect, then the cause must be spaceless, timeless, immaterial, powerful, personal, and intelligent. This is some of the things we unpack in our I Don't Have Enough Faith Being Atheist book and presentation. Mm -hmm. Design is an effect. So we're reasoning back to a cause, a designer. There's design in the universe and design in life. So we're reasoning from effect to cause. We have a moral law written on our hearts. That's an effect. So we're reasoning back to a cause, the moral lawgiver. We have the ability to reason, which is what we were just speaking about. That's an effect. So we're reasoning back to a cause, a transcendent mind. Mm -hmm. So how do we know God exists? We reason from effect to cause. We know him by his effects. Hey, isn't it interesting, though, that the evolutionists, speaking of evolution, because that was part of the question, yeah, yeah. they assume that the effect is greater than the cost, right? Mm -hmm. they're, they're saying that we have all this complexity, say, just in human life, for example, that that arose from something very simple. And somehow it brought us to this greater effect than the cause itself had to begin with. Well, that would seem to be a violation of cause and effect because mm -hmm. the cause can't give uh, what it doesn't have. So the effect shouldn't have something the cause doesn't have. Mm. And yet they're saying, no, we've got... We're in effect, and it's greater than the cause that created us. Mm -hmm. These yeah. natural laws or whatever. So they're, they're actually violating what is one of the principal elements of the law of causality, that the effect can't be greater than the cause. So the question is, believing in God is for dumb people. <laughs> Evolution answers how we got here. Mm. So, yeah, God, God is for dummies. It, it, can you find that at Barnes and Nobles? <laughs> I, well, I, I think there is probably God for Dummies, like that book or whatever. But God is for Dummies, and and I I kind of feel that sometimes if I if I'm around some friends or or anyone mm -hmm. who, uh, who who has been to schooling and they've been to college and they they just have a higher level of quote unquote intelligence, they have become too smart for God in their own mind. So it's like a fairy tale to them. It's like Santa Claus or whatever. They have grown past that, and they are smarter. They have grown out from the need of, of needing God. But I think, I think, I think more. <laughs> I think I think uh, about things more than someone who just trusts the science. Like, so you, you have the science. But see, the science doesn't say anything. Scientists say something. And so the scientists with agendas can say things, say whatever they want. So if you just trust these people, you just have faith. And so we're both having faith. It's just what what do you what is your faith in? Mine is a creator that created everything and yours is these men who have who have told you some stuff and you you assume and you have trust and faith that they have spent their entire life um, dealing with all that stuff, uh, like scientists, uh, like uh, tests and all those things, like so. Yeah, to to kind of bounce off the what you just mentioned there, that science doesn't say anything. Scientists say things. <clears throat> they also uh, last week Sean was talking about Einstein's greatest blunder, right? What he wrote in a false equation because he didn't feel uh, good about beginning and end but he doesn't also feel okay with eternity so he wrote in this uh this math boo-boo to get e equals mc square mm. uh so it um when we let's 
so for ourselves, we weren't really taught evolution. We we're like we had a little bit of it, right? Mm-hmm. When we were we were growing yeah. up, but Big Bang was yeah. the biggest thing yeah. that uh, people were talking about. But if we just related to Big Bang, scientists said everything was created from nothing. Mm-hmm. Which right. in my mind, because, yeah, right, because they're like, no, we the there's just a starting point. There was never anything before that starting point. Now we as uh, believers, we know that God's eternal. Correct, but he's so to their point. Nothing existed in time, space, or matter. So, in essence, they're telling the truth. Nothing existed. God exists outside of those three parameters. So he created it. So the Big Bang actually. And I think that's why they're backing up from the Big Bang mm-hmm. is because it actually states that there has to be a creator. Yeah, that there's a beginning. There's a beginning well, of the universe. Or there's either, right. so the cause of creation is either God, a creator, an intelligent being, or a multiverse generator, some kind of like cosmic bubble machine that's just spitting out infinite uh, universes. Yeah. So you either believe in that or a creator God. So it's your choice. Are you once again peeking at my notes? No, I'm. I'm uh, yeah, <laughs> that that's going to be coming up here okay. in, in the, the the blind reaction. Um, was there anything else that that um, stood out to you? Other, I, it, I think it is funny um, to enter a conversation offending somebody. Mm. Yeah, that's because that's never a smart thing to do. Yeah, you can't have a real conversation if you go right in swinging. Well, and, yeah, and as the Christian, we have to assume that that's what the enemy wants to do. They want to get us on our toes and get us offended and get us angry so that we can't reason. Because once we're angry and, and shouting, our reason is out the window. Once we start shouting at each other, the conversation is over. There's no more conversation. It's now both of our walls are up. We're slinging arrows back and forth. We're not going to be moved by the other side. So I did have one more thing. It says, I don't, not evolution, but adaptation. So there is no sign of a species ever turning into a different species. But what Darwin went through on, is it Galapagos Islands? Maybe I'm wrong there. That, whatever, those islands, all the finches, all the birds, the birds' beaks were different. They were still the same bird, generally. But their beaks changed because of the food they were eating. Some were eating nuts, some were eating berries, so they needed, needed different stuff. Same with dogs, the canine. We have thousands, if not, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of different breeds of canine because humans have changed the dog to fit our needs. So they have adapted to fit our need. Yeah, so if you look at the flood, the flood story, mm-hmm. right? It's two of a kind. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. It doesn't matter what God didn't have is. a poodle on the, the, or Noah didn't have a poodle or a pit bull. But, but the kind is canine. Yeah, he had a wolf yeah. or whatever. Right. Wolf is canine. Correct. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, and I, I kind of brought that up to, to Sean. And obviously, he's not here to, to explain what he did last week. So, um, listen to last week's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> did he refute this or did. <laughs> no, no, he didn't okay. refute it because okay. uh, I brought it up too. Uh, actually, I kind of brought it up in um, talking about the the six days. Okay, and um, when sci- there's a uh, a theory um, in how we actually travel through the universe, that we will get to a point that's kind of like the TVA, 
right? Like if you ever watch Avengers or okay. Um, okay. Ant-Man, when yeah. they're in the quantum realm, yeah. right? They're, uh-huh. Everything's kind of just like a Quantum mania. So they, they're saying that we will get to a point in the universe where um, one day will actually be like a thousand or a million years because time slows down at, hmm. the, at this wavelength when we're traveling Interesting. through it. I, I small, real small, like, oh, okay. But to me, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, I can see God being like, hey, that's how, how it works. You know, yeah. when we, we hear about him, um, keep, uh, I believe Joshua, right? He kept the sun. Yeah, the sun stood still for a day, a day, full yeah. day, and maybe longer. And my dad just asked, how is that possible? I was like, well, with God, anything God. happens. Yeah. So in essence, I mean, if, if you, uh, if within t- today's science, we're, mm-hmm. we're in a, a, a world that rotates and spins. So all he had to do was stop the spin of the earth. And there it is. The sun stands still. Yeah. So it, it doesn't it doesn't blow my mind, and I don't really question it because if we look at the beginning of Genesis, this blows my mind. He just spoke it. Yeah. And it came into existence. So whatever whatever is already existing is going to listen to him. Other than us, mm-hmm. sun stop. Okay. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. right. That Earth stop moving. I mean, yeah. It's it's. Someone explained, and this is going deeper, but like dark matter and all this stuff, like we don't see dark matter, but it like, it is like 95% of what our universe is made out of. Like we can't see it, but it's the stuff that it actually binds everything together. And then someone read a scripture about he weaves himself through creation or something. He's holding it together. That's, that's what God is. He's literally holding our atoms together. And then at the end of days, he just lets go of that, and everything just sort of dissolves and falls apart mm-hmm. because he's done with this, mm-hmm. and he's going to start something new. Yeah. Uh, so Living Waters, uh, Ray Comfort, he has a book that just came out, and it's uh, 10 Scientific Facts Found in the Bible. And, uh, and he's talking about um, how in Job, uh, God revealed space because mm-hmm. he was saying you know the earth hangs on nothing well obviously it yeah. doesn't hang on anything with mm-hmm. space and um one of the coolest things is kind of talking about uh radio frequency and wi-fi yeah like when he was talking about it i i wish i would have wrote it down to me it was like wow like that's just it's amazing right this is a book 3500 years ago that they started writing scripture mm-hmm. uh to be able to read to reveal that in time. So science is catching up to what God's already revealed to us. Now our, our, our Bible is not a science book. Correct. Right. Yeah. So, but to know, Hey, here you Absolutely. go. And, yeah. um, it, it is right for them to go in and start changing what they're finding because they're scared to reveal, right. What they, um, uh, their presupposition mm-hmm. that God's not real. Yeah. I mean, right? they, they, that's what they're trying to do with, uh, all these uh, hydron colliders and stuff, they're trying to get to the the moment of creation. What actually cr- cre- caused all this is like the God particle or whatever. And I think they do that out of like, I don't know, farce or something, calling it the God, because they're actually trying to explain away God. Mm-hmm. But they're trying to get to the particle, something that that was the spark of life, yeah. not some creator. Creating mini black holes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And arch, so. alternate uh, dimensions and see this is where you and I start to get in trouble because then I'm like oh did you hear this <laughs> <laughs> so we're we're gonna move on to the right, to right. the second question uh, so um, let's go ahead and let's uh, hear what Frank has to say 
I don't understand how morality proves that a God exists. Even an animal can show kindness to another and it doesn't need to prove that a God exists. So how is this even a good argument? Well, that's presupposing that kindness is a good thing. That's the very question, right? Mm -hmm. why, why should we be kind to one another? Because that would presuppose that we're valuable and it would presuppose that treating somebody kindly rather than unkindly is a good thing. Mm -hmm. So the question is, why is that a good thing? And good presupposes a purpose in life, right? If you're going to say something's good, you're presupposing you're getting closer to that purpose than getting further away. Mm -hmm. And on atheism, there is no purpose to life. So there's no way to say this is the right way to live because you're not really going anywhere. There's, there's no direction to life. There's no grounds to say this is the wrong way to live because, again, you don't have a purpose to life. Well, it, you don't need to prove God exists to know right and wrong. That's certainly true. Mm -hmm. And you don't need God to exist or you don't need to prove God exists or know God exists to be a so-called good person. But God must exist for good to exist. Otherwise, everything's just a matter of opinion. It's right? mm -hmm. just my opinion against, say, Hitler's opinion uh, or my opinion against Stalin's opinion. If there's no standard beyond us, we can't say one particular behavior is good and another particular behavior is bad. So you don't need God to know right and wrong. You don't need God to be good or bad. There just would be no good unless God existed. And, and it's, 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 to use a highfalutin philosophical term or terms, it's not an epistemological problem for the atheist. It's an ontological problem. We're not arguing about how you know right and wrong. We're arguing, why does right exist to begin with? That's the very question. And maybe an analogy will help. Mm -hmm. uh, I can read a book and deny there's an author, right? I can, I can totally understand what the book says and say, nobody wrote it. That's certainly true. But there would be no book to read unless there was an author. Same thing is true with morality. I can know morality and deny God exists, but there would be no morality to know unless God exists. Mm. Yeah. That's all we're saying. It's an ontological problem. It's why does morality exist at all? Objectively, not just my opinion, not just your opinion. Why does it exist at all? Because there's a standard of goodness that we call God that we're obligated to obey. Now, yeah. this doesn't have to be the Christian God. It could be some other God that's the true God. I'm simply saying without a standard outside of humanity, nothing's objectively right or wrong. That's, that's really the point. Yeah, and you've been in quite a few debates too. And I've seen there are points where an a the atheist is debating you will concede your point. Like they, they understand that what you're saying is true that like it's a matter of opinion and that it's a matter of what society thinks is right or wrong at the time. Therefore, it's kind of like a fluid type of morality. So yeah, they'll say that like David Silverman, who was the president of the American atheist. Mm -hmm. He happened to be Jewish, but he was an atheist. And, and in our debate, after I pressed him, he admitted, according to his worldview, the Holocaust wasn't really wrong. And so I, I said to him, David, look, I mean, if your worldview is telling you that the Holocaust isn't really wrong, you have the wrong worldview, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, just so we can revisit the uh, question is how does morality even prove that there's a God? Um, because even animals can show kindness and it doesn't have to prove that there's a God uh, for morality to exist. I'm just thinking about that. Like, well, that just states that like at your base level, they are kind. So like they don't even think about it and they can do those things. Mm -hmm. Dog comes and does kind loving things for his master or whatever it's i don't know 
maybe they would say, well, that's a sign of evolution because they've learned that being nice to humans, they'll get more than being mean to us, right? They get to be inside this house instead of being kicked outside. So maybe they'll use that as a, an evolutionary standpoint of they've just learned how to play the system. But uh, I, I was going to say something here. It says uh, uh, if, if I believe in the way they think, I get more if I just take it. So kindness is actually a weakness if there is no God. Mm-hmm. So if there is no God and I'm stronger than you, I'm just going to get a gun or whatever. I'm going to beat you up. I'm going to take what you have. I'm going to have everything I want and more than because I can just do it by force. And that's the strongest uh, will survive sort of thing, right? The fittest, mm-hmm. strongest will beat out the weaker. Yep. Uh, survival of the fittest. Yep. Yep. So um, I love the way he, he started. Um, that's that you're starting with the presupposition that kindness is a good thing. Is kindness a good thing? Absolutely. Right. You just said it's a weakness. How is it? Well, it's a. I'm saying if I believed in the way they thought, absolutely <laughs> kindness is a good thing. And that is from God. Right. For so, sure. Right. So if you were standing on that, be like, well, why is kindness a good thing? I mean, why are you even bringing up mm-hmm. kindness? Yeah. Right. But you're not bringing up that do- that animals are savages too, right? You yeah. You have animals that are oh, yeah. eating the rabies. Or, Chimpanzee like, will yeah. just rip each other apart for mm-hmm. nothing. They don't eat each other. They just kill each other for mm-hmm. sport almost. Yeah. And it's kind of like any other topic. You're going to pick a strongman topic, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, um, But I, I do love that. It's, okay, great. Well, why does it matter if you don't even believe in God? You don't. You go in and being an idiot, uh, being rude, uh, being a total jerk, uh, being a thief, uh, a drunk, um, you name it. Yeah. Does it really matter if there's not a God? Absolutely. And, and, and someone who is firm in that belief, they have to accept that you are by nature doing what you will do and there's no right or wrong in you and there's no right or wrong for anyone. And when they have to really boil that things down to that, you start to bring up pedophiles. Okay, they're not doing anything wrong. They're just loving children. Mm-hmm. It's society that's saying that's wrong. And so we're actually being evil to them by telling them their natural instinct is the wrong thing to do. You can take it to there was tribes of cannibals. Their whole society said, this is the right way to live. Outsiders come in, we murder them, we eat them. Everyone in the society says that's a good thing. So, but you standing outside of that society would say, no, that's wrong. But why is that wrong? Yeah, so um, tapping back into evolution. Um, so uh, I'm going to bring up evolution a little bit on the... Um, Basically, it was an amoeba, got struck by lightning, turned into a fish, <laughs> fish to have legs, crawled on. That's as much as I know about evolution, the yeah. story, right? Yeah. After that, I kind of just zone out, <laughs> um, which I shouldn't. I shouldn't because I don't ever want to feel like uh, I don't care enough to hear someone completely out. I don't yeah. have to agree with with their presupposition. Yeah. But it, I, it's I, a hard I, word for me to say, so that's why I'm yeah, exactly. saying it very slowly. Did you write it down? I did. Okay. It's probably Phone- mis- phonetically it's probably, so you could probably, say it. Yes, it's probably misspelled. So. <laughs> I'm not going to judge you. You, sh- you shouldn't judge me either. Uh, so, the, yeah. Well, the Bible does say that. Don't. Tell. No, no, no. We're going to stay on <laughs> don't track. Judge, don't judge your spelling. <laughs> okay, so we're going to pin a little bit on the evolution. Um, let me get back on track where I'm heading with this, with morality. Okay. 
So in what I was um, studying morality or even um, good and evil for section uh, for uh, week number two of the Christian sexuality class, uh, we brought up this that um, is it always God's law that tells us right or wrong? And then if we don't have God's law, how can we tell if there's right and wrong? Right. So. Um, most people will say, hey, if you don't believe in the God, so the law doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's not it's non-existent like God the is. The Torah, all that stuff. Right. Yeah, it's, it's it, non-existent because yeah. God doesn't exist, right? But morality is set up, kind of going to your point, based on society. There's a societal contract, mm-hmm. okay? The way our current society is heading for the United States, I can't talk about the whole entire world, but we can talk about where we're at now, is that, yes, um, pedophilia is a... Is, is a mental disease mm-hmm. so now they can't even really be charged the way they should be charged mm-hmm. when they get um, caught in it right and so, it's uh, bad for us to to judge them or whatever the case may be right to call them out and be like hey uh, these things society is making it okay so it's kind of like a crime of passion like if if I see you in bed with my wife and I shoot you and her, then that's a crime of passion and I get off easier because yes. of that sort of thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, so uh, both uh, Ryan and Sean brought it up in the Wednesday class at Men's uh, and they're ex- Oh, and um, McCormick. Uh, <laughs> Colin. Yeah, Colin, uh, they brought it up that it, it literally just passed. Oh, wow. It literally just passed. So uh, I've been so busy, I haven't been able to research it. Well, they've been and saying that for decades that yeah. it, this is step by step. The agenda is not always about what it's doing right then. Mm-hmm. They have long term agendas. Yeah. And so the pedophilia, they said that a long time ago, mm-hmm. that they're going to try to normalize that. And here we are at some kind of point that we're getting to see that. Yeah. So, you know, in the, the long conspiracy thinking that I do, um, Abortion was the first thing that they do. They're they're going after those that they can't protect themselves, and then that's kind of like the no, the law of nature, right? Is you're always going to pick off the weakest. Hmm. Children can't defend themselves. Mm-hmm. We as parents and grownups should be protecting them, and yet we're not. Sometimes we're encouraging the act, right? We can talk about certain parents um, that are affirming their four year old kid to go have hmm. full surgeries, yeah. right? And there, there's a study now that we're seeing with this, the most popular transgender person, that they're publicly, we can see them on TV, that this person is having a hard time. And it's kind of like, oh, why did I do this? And then the mother's like, we're not going down that road. Mm. We're not going there. That's not what you're going to do. You're going to be firm in what I'm feeding you. Like, she's a perpetrator here, but it's okay. Yeah. Right? So, Where so- we have... Um, you know, I'm not going to go into all this other stuff that, that I hear about because I'm like, I'm not researching it enough. You know, like, is it true that there, there's laws in place that if you don't affirm your kid that they're going to take them away from you? I don't know. I heard it, but I'm not going to say, Hey, that's, that, that's a truth because oh, there's a, that there's a law. Mm-hmm. Huh. I don't, I, I yeah. heard it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that there is right. But th- this is the importance of when yeah. you hear something, right? Mm-hmm. It's, oh, it's hard to believe much of what you hear now. Yeah. Versus being like, hey, well, that kind of sounds like what, what it is going on in the world, so I'm going to take it for truth. Mm-hmm. If it, well, especially if it um, agrees with how you think. Mm-hmm. And we need to be careful with that. Like, 
we can hear stuff that we don't agree with and it's easy to shun that off. Like, I don't want to hear that. But anything that sounds like it goes with our own thought process, it's like we're so easily uh, ready to grab onto that and say, yeah, this is truth, when yeah. it could be a lie as well. It's yeah, more I deception. Mean, we're, we're as guilty as the atheists when it comes to believing our truth. Yeah. And ultimately, <laughs> and that's, that's the devil's job is deception. Yes. If he can keep everybody deceived uh, right and left, front, middle, center, wherever, uh, and he keeps us fighting with each other, mm-hmm. then uh, that's what he wants. Yeah, he, he certainly doesn't believe in unity, that's nope. that's for sure. But to uh, kind of get back on track, uh, I, I, I warned you guys. I warned you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but to get back on track, so um, my question was, where along the evolutionary line did the fish pull out a feather and some ink <laughs> and write out the social contract of what morality was, what was good and what was wrong? What gave him, hey, stealing is bad, killing is bad, uh, multiplying is good, right? Mm. When did this fish all of a sudden have this wealth of knowledge? Was he in the garden too? I don't think they'll say that uh, it happened with the fish, but it'll happen later on with uh, primates or something like that. But that they, at some point, Neanderthals or whatever it is, they start to get a bigger brain and uh, start to kind of form in tribes and all this kind of stuff. But, I mean, that's those are their talking points, but ultimately it's... Right, so with fully developed brains, Germany believed that killing the Jews was right. Yeah. So their social contract states that they were doing the right thing. Yeah. Just and like we're the, a fully functioning brain. Just like the cannibals, mm-hmm. like I was saying. Yeah. It, if, if you have... The, if the majority believes something is right, something is good, then you can flip the entire social contract. So if we can change how we see pedophiles, then in 20 years, pedophiles will be a normalcy. Yes. It it, kind of is already with these drag shows. It's already, Mm -hmm. and and I'm not going on a soapbox. I'm just like, as a, even if I didn't believe in God, right? So as you know, I I came to faith uh, less than five years ago. Mm -hmm. So all, all the venom and all that stuff I believed in, it's still fresh in my mind. And I can tell you, I would not be okay with that if I didn't believe in God. Well, like, let's take it away from yeah. like homosexuals or trans or anything like that. Let's just say, uh, let's make it super normal to steal. Like stealing is fine. So you walk in anywhere, anywhere, you grab something, you take it. That's just, that's normal. No, you don't get arrested or anything. Like what kind of world would be, We nobody would own anything because they don't want anything stolen from them. They just take what they wanted. Mm-hmm. And there was actually a uh, episode of Finn and Jake. Did you, you, ever, did you ever see that? Uh, uh, it's <laughs> Finn and Jake, uh, I, I can't even think. My kids watch it. But there was this place they, they would everybody would steal from each other. Okay. And so you'd have this this person stealing this, and something would come down and swoop it and steal it. And like it was that was normal. It was like the thieves' city. But, yeah, so it's it's – it's the same thing, though. If the majority says, hey, this is normal, this is normal behavior, then all of a sudden, because God doesn't exist in that area or whatever, then that's the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, and of course, they, they, can, they can come up. It, it's still hard for them to say who wrote the social contract, who was the original to say good and bad, right, if there's not a God. Yeah. But then it comes back to, why does it matter if there's good or bad? If it's just survival of the fittest. Chaos. Yeah. 
I mean, right. with, without, without God's laws and rules and regulations, there will be chaos. So ultimately, life is worse without God. Yeah. So you can have without God. You can do that and live in a German society where you're Nazis and doing all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And at the top, you think you're good. And you're over here, and as a Jew, you saw things happening to these other people, and you're like, okay, but it slowly it trickled up to you. So there's like a, a saying that, like, you're fine with this fascism or whatever until the day it's knocking at your door saying, get into the rail car or whatever. Until it's there to get you, you don't care about it. You're fine with that normal behavior that, okay, mm-hmm. it's fine that they're doing it to these people or whatever. Like, right now, it's the abortion, well, it's going to trickle up to the kids. I mean, at what point it's going to be knocking down on your door. Yeah. If you don't have kids, you, you, oh, well, this isn't my fight. I don't have kids. I'm never going to have kids. Yeah. Then I don't have to worry about any of this stuff. Well, someday it's going to be on your front doorstep with whatever, and that's the normal thing, and you're going to have to just bow to it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, talking about the law, um, so – the, the Bible, just like many other things that we were just kind of talking about earlier, that the, the Bible is not a scientific book, but there's science in the book, uh, in the Word, that, that scientists are now like, oh, okay, hey, um, it's being proven through science what was written 3,500 years ago. So when we talk about judgment and what's good and bad, well, God's the creator of all things. He's the author of what's good and bad, right? And that's what he was saying, that without God, good doesn't exist, mm-hmm. okay? So I'm going to read out of Romans 2, uh, 12 through 16. I'm reading out of the uh, NIV. Uh, All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law, and all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Okay, indeed, when the Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law. They are the law themselves, even though they do not know the law. They show the requirements of the law that are written on their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts sometimes accusing them and Mm. at other times even defending them. This will take place on the day when God judges people's secrets through Jesus Christ as my gospel declares. Hmm. Yeah. So whether you believe in God or not, it's already in you to know what right and wrong is. So if God used the fish mm-hmm. to create <laughs> to create us, let's just go down yeah, the realm. Yeah. Guess what? You know when he pu- he pulled out that feather and ink? When God said, Hey, here's my law, Moses. Yeah. hmm But I mean, even Adam, Adam and Eve, yeah. I mean, they had the law inside them yeah. and they I mean, when they they first sinned, they knew. They their conscience they felt ashamed at what they did. And all of a sudden they knew that they were na- uh, naked mm-hmm. and they knew they needed to be clothed and they felt ashamed. So their conscience, without God telling them any of this stuff, they understood it. Now, was it because they ate the fruit of good and evil? They all of a sudden had this rush of what sin was and all that. So, But that was, that was the beginning of it. I mean, did they have a conscience before that? I mean, was, I mean they just did right, correct? I mean, so do an, can animals do evil? Do, I mean, I, I know that we talked about that was at the, kind of at the beginning of this thing, mm-hmm. like animals show kindness. Well, can evils? E- I mean, e- evils. Can animals even do evil? I mean, we have the free will, 
but I, we're going down another rabbit trail. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but I do want to um, leave it as for for those that are listening to the podcast that are still struggling to to believe whether or not God is real. Mm. Right. For one, you just even asking the question, I'm gonna let you know that He's real because He's He's itching at you. Yeah. Okay. So, but if there if there is no God, it doesn't matter if you're good or bad, because um, everyone uses this example. So I am. Both Hitler and Mother Teresa are in the same location, in the ground. Oh, right in, in the ground, yeah. <laughs> right? So for, for sure. Yeah, but because there is a God, we know they're in two different locations. Yes. Or, or that ultimate eternity is in two different locations. Yes. So. All right, Amen. cool. Uh, let's go ahead and let's uh, see. Unless you have something else. I see you're looking at your notes. I wanna... I, I had something. It was from the previous... Uh, well, uh, we, we had talked about something uh, during our break, but irreducible complexity... You can just look that up. Irreducible complexity. Uh, if you don't believe in God, that's that's a huge proof of of things that are God created all at once. Evolution couldn't cre- like change and uh, uh, test out this thing and test out this thing. All of these parts of this, I think it's called the flag flag flagellum flagellum f l a g e l l u m something like that. Look it up. It's like the uh, uh, mousetrap. There's no part of the mousetrap that you can remove uh, without it being a broken mousetrap. So it's the same thing. This, uh, so it's like God created this flagellum, and no part can be missing without it not working at all. So that, that, would, that plus DNA is are, are kind of my heavy hitters on why I believe in God, yeah. that there's a creator. This is code. There, <laughs> there. There is so much. Yeah, absolutely. So much and, um, people have to work, so. Yeah, <laughs> let's absolutely. Let's move on to the next one. Okay, let's All go right. to the third one. Why can't multiple universes explain the fine-tuning argument? Well, first of all, there's no evidence that multiple universes exist because by definition, they're outside of our, outside of our observation. We can't observe these. And uh, secondly, as... Paul Davies, who is an agnostic astronomer from Arizona State University, put put it. He said, the multiverse is a dodge. It's a way of multiplying possibilities because this universe appears so designed. In other words, nobody would be talking about multiple universes unless the the fine-tuning design argument was so strong. Because Mm. what they're trying to avoid is saying, okay, there's got to be an intelligence out there that fine-tuned all this. So in order to avoid that, they're trying to say, well, maybe if there were trillions of universes, one of them, like ours, would just exist that would have these parameters by chance, okay? Mm. The problem is, as I say, there's no evidence for it. Secondly, it appears to be a dodge. Thirdly, who's creating these universes? Why don't they collide with one another? And if they're being created... Someone had to create them. In other words, you don't get rid of the need for a cause. It's, it would seem like you'd multiply the need for a creator if there are multiple universes out there. You wouldn't. You wouldn't. Um, you wouldn't get rid of the need for a creator. You, you, you'd have to. You'd have to have a creator to create all those too. In fact, yeah. for those universes to get started, they would have to be fine-tuned as well, because the fine-tuning argument isn't just an argument about how our universe exists now. The fine-tuning argument is also an argument for the creation event of the universe that had to be fine-tuned in such a precise way. For example, even Hawking admitted, he said, if the expansion rate 
at the within a second of the Big Bang was different by a thousand million million. Just a second after the Big Bang, the universe would have collapsed back on itself or never developed galaxies. So if the if if the initial conditions of the universe were that different, we wouldn't even have a universe. Mm-hmm. Not, certainly not a universe that could support life. So the fine tune, or, or I should say, the the multi multiple universe argument doesn't solve the problem. It actually multiplies the problem for the atheist. And uh, let's see, I think I have his book up here on my shelf here. Uh, the book is by Alexander Vilenkin, who's an agnostic astronomer, who's a believer in the multiverse. I can't locate it right now. But he basically says this, even if there are other universes out there, the whole show would need an absolute beginning. So it yeah. doesn't appear like you get rid of the need for a beginner. Now, he doesn't think it's God, but he's saying there has to be an absolute beginning. That's very interesting. Point number three is a very good point. It, the multiple universe theory multiplies the problem for the atheist. So why can't the multiple universe explain fine-tuning? I, I mean, I kind of said it at the very previous. I said, what caused creation? God or, or a multiverse generator? Like kind of like you know those bubble machines. Mm-hmm. You put the bubble mixture in, you press that button, it just like rotates and just seamlessly infinite bubbles come out. As long as it has that liquid, it's just gonna keep spitting bubbles out. So ultimately you have to believe in either either a creator or that thing. That has always been. That nothing created it. It's always been there just spitting out random galaxies. And if they're and they'll say not trillions, but infinite. If there's infinite multiverse, if there's infinite ver- universes, then there's infinite that have no life and infinite that have life. So it's this. It's the same as the gods of the gap, the god of the gaps theory. But theirs is the multiverse of the gaps. Explain gods of the gaps. Well, god of the gaps is. I can't really fully uh, tell you why this sort of thing. It just God did it. God did that. God, God created it that way. I don't understand it, but God did it. So me, you, whoever, get in a conversation with someone who's a little bit smarter. They start spouting out something. They kind of make us feel stupid, and we just say, well, God did it. <laughs> well, it's, that, that's, that's, that's a cop-out. I mean, we need to get better at whatever we're, we're talking about to better talk to them. We need Sean around. Probably, or, yeah. or someone else. They're like, hold on, I gotta. I, I don't want to use a lifeline. But uh, ultimately, there's going to be things here on Earth that we will never be able to fully explain, and it will seem like we're giving the God of the gaps hmm. thing because we will ultimately just say, "I have faith. I have faith that God did it this way, or that He did it a way." I'm not saying how God actually did it because I wasn't there, and I'm not going to put God in a box to say He did it a certain way. Uh, but they're going to say, oh, the multiverse. Well, that, 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 that does away with your fine-tuning because it just spits out infinite. So infinitely, you're going to have a universe where you're the president of the United States, and I'm, I don't know, king of Zimbabwe or whatever. Yeah, you're, uh, there was a show I was watching on Amazon called uh, The Man in the High Castle. Mm-hmm. And you ever watched that? I think so. Yeah, it was a book first, uh, but... Uh, Basically, it's a, that's what's going on. There's multiple universes and uh, one universe, uh, Germany and uh, Japan won World War II. Oh. And then there's the universe that we live in. But your body can't be in existence in that 
other yeah. universe either. So in order for you to travel, that person has to be dead mm-hmm. in order for you mm-hmm. to travel to go into that universe. Because you insta- cannot, you cannot exist. So the theory of that, based on Man in the High Castle, is that no, you cannot exist in that one at mm-hmm. at the same time. At least you may have existed. Like that person has to be dead, but you have to be the same age, and you have to be mm. everything has to line up. Yeah, and but, then, for, but then, but then Marvel, to time travel. Marvel, you can just go wherever you want. And yeah, but you can't touch. Can't yeah, be together. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you're using your analogy of the uh, the bubble machine, you, you still got to have someone to put in the liquid. Yeah, but ultimately, you say that thing is infinitely always been working. It's, it never needs anybody to repair it or anything. It's always working. All of its part, like you have to go there. That some part of your faith, whether or not you have faith in God or faith in science, ultimately you have to have something that is infinite, that's always been. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately there is a creation point. And to create anything, you have to be outside of space, time, and material, right? So I, I pose this question to Sean. And I'll pose it to you as well. Do you feel like these people don't want to have a beginning because that means there's an end? Well, I mean, we know that there's an end. I mean, there's an end to the the earth. There's an end to the sun. I mean, science will say all these things. The earth uh, will end up burning up when the the sun turns into a red giant, which is whatever, billions of years from now. So ultimately, and let... Unless we have learned how to be a spacefaring people and we get away from Earth in a billion years where the human race will be done. Um, so I believe they, they understand that there's the end. But as far as there, it being a beginning, they just don't want to they don't want to bow down to the idea of it being a creator. So things can end. I think they're fine with that. They're fine with their own life ending and it just being blackness, just black. Is it that they, they have a problem with the beginning or... They just have the problem that God's the beginning. It, just that the God's, God's the beginning. Like I said, if, if you believe in the multiverse or whatever, ultimately if you, if you take your logic to the umpteenth level, mm-hmm. you have to logically get to a place where something has to be outside of space, time, and material, right? So something has to have always been eternal outside of all those things to create those things. Mm-hmm. So it's either an impartial or whatever, uh, inanimate, object that just has always been doing something, this bubble machine, spitting out multiverses, or an intelligent designer who chose to do things a certain way, created one universe perfectly, everything fine-tuned, and then created a world and put humans on there and all the animals and all, all our complexity. I mean, you go down to the molecular level, it's just insane how much complexity is inside of every cell of life. You know, you mentioned something earlier um, when we were in between the, the breaks um, and watching the, these clips. The, it seems like the people who get more educated, the more um, stupid they get in a bit. Um, that's not the word you, you well, use. They think they're getting smarter. And, and, yeah. and, 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 and in society's terms, they are getting smarter. They're putting more books in front of their face. Mm-hmm. They're reading more. They've got more degrees. They're a doctorate now. They're a double doctorate. And if you don't believe what they're saying, you're just an idiot. Mm-hmm. Because I've done all the work. I've done all the study. I've read all these research papers and all these, um, yeah, papers from all these other scientists. It's like, you're just a peon, dude. You have a dumb brain, your IQ's low, 
why are you why are you trying to come to me and and <laughs> and tell me that there's a creator when I've done all this and I understand way more than you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it, they've they've discounted a conversation with us. Those people can never sit down with a me or you and have a in their eyes an intelligent conversation. They are literally talking to little monkeys when they talk to us, and so they're just like it's not worth their time. Yeah, and what I'm I was going to is as, as a simple person, simple thinking person. I am too. Um, <laughs> it's a. I don't wrestle with that. There, that there. I, I right that there's God. Mm-hmm. You know, and Frank said, "Hey, whatever God, just insert God." Right. Um, but these guys, the more and more they they study, and the more and more the uh, knowledge that they get, the more they try to remove themselves. Not all of them, right? I'm not. I'm not throwing all of them in that boat, but the majority of them do uh, do that. And then it, it just it to me. When I talk to people like that, I was like, man, I go, like, you're, you're in the human sense. I go, you're absolutely right. You are more educated than I am. I go, but if we look, and I understand that you may not believe that the Bible is true. I go, but just as a simple person looking at it, I can see why uh, the forbidden fruit that held the knowledge, why it was a big issue. Mm. Because your quote unquote education is now leading you away from what saves you. It's their ego. They have filled up their ego so much. Yeah, easing God out, right? Yeah. So. Um, oh, man. This is why I should have wrote down my notes. Uh, you just said something, and it popped in my head, but it's gone now. Oh, oh uh, it's gone now, because I, gone. if I say anything good, it's not for me, brother. So. <laughs> that, that's, that's what I've said. <laughs> um, yeah. I'll let it go. I, I'm sure. I'm sure it'll come well, back. Uh, yeah. I wish I could re- re-listen to what you just said. But, you'll, um, you'll get an opportunity tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> I'll call in to the next episode. There you go. There you go. Okay. Um, let me see. I, I did. Re- I, I thought it was great. Um, I, oh, I was thinking like um, I wrote it down. Let me see. He was talking about the the universe fine tuning itself. So if there's not a God, so is the universe uh, an AI? Right. Because I'm thinking like current times now. The only thing that fine tunes itself and learns from itself to be better is AI, mm-hmm. self learning. So, yeah. So that's I mean that that goes into so <clears throat> so so there's this multiverse thing, and then there's also simulation theory, mm-hmm. and you can take simulation theory either way. As as a Christian, I can see a simulation theory and say, well, there's still a need for a creator to create the simulation. So, but. You could say, oh, that's an AI. That's a futuristic AI. Maybe it's an AI that we created that ultimately later on creates a simulation to simulate the old, the old ways. Mm-hmm. So, but either way, there's a creator involved in any of that. Yeah. Like we're, we're always going to go back to who created that. What was the, the, what was the, the uh, uncaused cause? So you have to have something that never had a cause never brought it into existence that caused the first cause that then caused everything. So the initial first uncaused cause, and that's God. Yeah. Yeah. I, did you have anything else that you... I, I'm, I'm eating myself up. I'm trying to <laughs> rewind time and think about what I was just going to say, but, um, you know, and he's really good about always starting off with the, the first answer always breaks down whatever they're trying to come out because he's all like well first of all there's there's no evidence of multi multiple universes correct right um at least 
not in anything that we could uh, well, uh, in observation, which <laughs> I I laugh because right when they're like, well, sciences are the things that we can observe, but it's like okay, you can't observe it, but you're telling me that <laughs> that's a. So he said, why why don't those bubbles touch? Well, I've heard another theory. Mm -hmm. I heard another theory that when two bubbles, these two multiverses touch, two universes touch, that when the films, like imagine it getting so close and the the touching of that film, there's energy transferred from both universes, that causes another universe to be born. And that's the big bang of a new universe. So that could be what's causing all these universes in that's what I, I a theory I heard obviously don't don't believe that but he was just saying something about why don't these universes touch as well I've heard another one that well they do and that's what actually causes the new ones to be formed so yeah and uh, those that don't believe in the multiple universes they believe that um, the Big Bang is a reoccurring thing so well, like there's going gonna, gonna, gonna to be a big suck a big so we're in an expanse right now, but the big suck will bring us back in at the end, suck everything back into that finite point, and then it'll all explode again and start it all back up. Yes, sir. Yeah. yeah. All right, cool. So um, let's go ahead and let's move on to uh, the next clip. Okay, next one. All religions claim to be true. What makes you think your religion is the true religion and everyone else is wrong and damned to hell? Isn't that completely judgmental of you to say? Is it judgmental of someone to say that I'm wrong if I believe that? Yes, everybody is is judging, no matter what side of the aisle or what side of this question you're on, everybody's making a judgment. Mm-hmm. Now, Christianity doesn't say that every other world religion is false on every point. We're not saying that. A Christian, as Christians, we believe, uh, we, we believe Islam has some truth in it. Mm-hmm. They believe in God. They believe in prayer. They believe that uh, you ought to give 2.5% just like Christians do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> 2.5%? 2.5% right. in Islam. Yeah, that's why maybe we ought to become Muslims because we don't have to give as much. So, no, I mean, Christianity is not saying that every other world religion is completely false on every point. Mm-hmm. What, what Christianity is saying is that where it differs from the truth, where it, different from, where it differs from the Bible or differs from the truth of Christianity, it's wrong in those areas. Mm-hmm. Islam's saying the same thing. Islam is saying that Islam is the true religion, and anywhere you differ from Islam, you're false. And if Islam is true, they're right about that. And if Christianity is true, they're right about that. If, Islam, if Buddhism's true, they're right. That's every, see, truth by definition excludes its opposite. So... Yeah. The only question is, what is true? And Christians are merely saying that if Christianity is true, then anything that disagrees with Christianity would be false. And yeah. every world religion says that. And those that don't are just illogical. I mean, if, if a world religion could say that all world religions are true, well, by definition, they can't be true because they teach opposites. Yeah. For example, you know, Christianity treats God as tri- or, or, or Christianity believes God is triune. And of course, Islam doesn't. Uh, Christianity teaches that you're going to have a, you're going to be your own person in the afterlife. Buddhism doesn't. They both can't be true, right? Yeah. So the the question isn't about being judgmental or being narrow. All truth claims are narrow. Yeah. The question is, is it true? Mm-hmm. And the, the the last part about there about well, does that mean that everyone's a non-Christian is going to hell? 
People go to hell not because they're non-Christians. People go to hell because they've sinned. It would be like saying you're going, it would, it would be like saying you die because you don't go to the doctor. No, you don't die because you don't go to the doctor. You die because you have a disease. Now, maybe you could prevent dying by going to a doctor. And the same thing is true with Christianity. Maybe you could prevent eternal death by going to the great physician. But the reason that you're going to die is not because you haven't gone to the doctor. The reason you're going to die is because you have a disease. Mm -hmm. The reason you're going to be separated from God is not because you haven't believed in Jesus. It's because you've sinned. Now, you could prevent being separated from God if you believe in Jesus, mm -hmm. because God's not going to force you into heaven against your will. Mm -hmm. right? If you don't want them now, you're not going to want them in eternity. Mm -hmm. And by the way, the, the, the issue of hell is a moral question, right? Someone is trying to say, well, it'd be immoral of God to send people to hell. Mm -hmm. Well, why would that be wrong? By what moral standard are you saying that uh, that is wrong if there is no God? If there's no God, there's nothing right or wrong. Mm -hmm. Now, they might come back to you, Melissa, and say, well, you're saying your God is a God of love. Why doesn't he accept all people? He does accept all people but he's not going to force people into his presence against their will. If they don't want Jesus in this life, they're not going to want him in the afterlife. So they're going to, he's going to separate himself from them. That's called hell. It's separation from God. Now, obviously we could spend more time talking about oh, this, yeah. but the main point is, is that every truth claim excludes its opposite. Hmm. And every other world religion is, is exclusive to some degree. And just because Christianity is saying that, it's true that Christianity is true. It doesn't mean every other world religion is completely wrong on everything. That's not the case. Yeah. Those are really good points. It's funny. I think it might've been you that said this too, that if God let anybody, everybody into heaven, that wouldn't be heaven. That would be here. <laughs> like there's, <laughs> That's right. there's, we're all here. Yeah. yeah. It's like, we're all here yeah. already. And like, there has to be something different about that, about that aspect, about that entrance into heaven. All religions claim to be true. What makes your religion true that it's the truth? Straight off of me? What I had heard, someone other than me has kind of gone through all the religions, read through all the books, read through all, and Christianity was the only one that had a savior, was the only one that had something that you would look to this other being, not yourself, and say, okay, this, this thing, this person, this being, this Jesus died for me. Everything else is, how can I be perfect? How can I be good? How can I earn heaven? Every other religion is that. Mm -hmm. You have to do certain things. If you don't do it, then you are blah, 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 whatever. You won't get this reward. You won't get this eternal reward. You'll just, you'll just get less than if everybody said. But Christianity is, Jesus died for you. Everyone has sin. And, and all you have to do is just fall at his, at his feet say he's lord and you have it so yeah so i was watching a, a joe rogan podcast and uh i can't tell you which episode it was i was i was driving down to conroe uh but once again just another atheist someone that just thought the notion that there was a god and let alone that uh, a god would come and be man and be resurrected and save humanity just uh the notion of that seemed very, very silly to them. And uh, they, you know, this person does a great job of uh, what we should do is investigate the evidence, right, and see see what comes out of it. 
And uh, so he was talking about that, you know, he's, he, he studied Buddhism, he studied Islam, uh, he studied other religions, and they all talk about this man named Jesus. Mm. And they're like, yeah, Jesus is good. He's, he was something, something, and he's a way. Hmm. All of them. He's a way. A way. But when it comes to Jesus, he's the way. The way. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So if they're all saying, hey, they, because the um, Buddhism doesn't say Muhammad, and mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, hmm. so he's just, oh, they don't bring this up. They don't bring this, but they do bring up Jesus. Mm-hmm. They do bring up Jesus. And so yeah. when he started. He's a prophet invest, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever their view mm-hmm. was, but it, mm-hmm. that, the key thing that came out is that he is a way, right? So if everyone's saying that he is the way, that's a true statement in his own. When he's like, hey, I am the way. Mm-hmm. There is no other way but me. And that's why everything leads to me. You know what I mean? So uh, I thought uh, that, w- that was r- really great. But once again, just kind of entering this conversation, I love, once again, you know, Frank has been doing this for such a long time, right? And uh, he's like, oh, wow, you're, you're judging me because I'm judgy. Yeah. <laughs> Why is that whole the kettle calling the pot black or yeah. whatever? I don't know. What's your English thingy there? <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, like uh, I think you're uh, getting to it is, uh, oh my gosh, I just blanked. Continue on. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about that. I'll lead to, you know, like all roads lead to Kevin Bacon? Yes. All roads lead yeah. To yeah. Six, yeah. six, uh, se- the separation of Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Th- there's only one truth. And, and everybody has their truth. Mm-hmm. But when you really like think logically, there's only one way this all happened. And you can think you can think it a certain way, but ultimately someone's wrong and someone's right. There's no way that like Buddhism, Muslim, and Christianity are all right like 100%, right? Correct? <laughs> so... Yeah, and that's what he says. There, there's only going to be one that's right. Mm-hmm. And... You know, and even Frank says that in his book. He goes, "If if we're wrong, we should be the most pitied." Yeah, well, that that, that was Peter too, right? Peter, Paul. I, I, get I this believe all. Paul. Yeah. Paul. Yeah. If 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 we were to be wrong, we've devoted our entire lives to this, and I guess that's the same for any of them. If you've devoted your life to something and it's wrong, then <laughs> you're to be the most pitied. So yeah, I mean, I agree with a lot of things. I, I mean, I want to say a lot of things some things uh, in other religions. It makes a lot of sense. And some of those things, I'm like, man, that feels like that's, that's locked in on what this reality is. Like, that, that makes sense. But Christianity kind of doesn't go there. And so I'm like, I really like that. And I have to, like, gauge, okay, am I being anti-Christ right now? Am I thinking opposite of what Christ is because I want to think this way? Or am I adding to my knowledge. And that's a scary place that, to be. Uh, but if we're questioning things, we're testing the spirits, we're testing what we're receiving. Is this from God or is this from Satan? Just to be able to, like we have to be rooted in the Bible so that we're not taken away by the waves of the fads and all that stuff. Like we're not w- tossed about like waves on the ocean from this and that and all that. So people that go from this religious idea, this 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 new fad, all that kind of stuff, like their waves tossed about in the ocean. So you have to be strong in Christ first. That's my thought. All right, so I, I'm muting our mics a little bit just because I'm hearing some echoing. So just give me a thumbs up saying, hey, uh, I'm ready to talk. Um, uh, so 
uh, that way we don't we don't get too much echoing. Uh, but um, I'm gonna kind of go on a on a on a tangent now, uh, so that's why I really muted you. But to be truthful, no, just <laughs> okay. So um, I'm glad you, you you talked about that. You know the different religions. Uh, he talked about the different religions. There's several things that really uh, came out to me in this specific video. Uh, one of them I'm gonna kind of hit uh, within the walls of the church. Uh, but I'm going to start outside uh, outside of the church first. I know that this specific uh, passage in context is regarding uh, false teaching within the within the walls of the church, but I think it still applies with religion outside of Christ. That um, we are always going to try to find scripture. We're going to find things that suit what we want to do uh, versus then what God um, asks us to uh, submit to. Um, so, you know, uh, f for the times will come when they will not, uh, endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap themselves teachers having itching of ears, right? So it's just, we're going to seek what we want to find. Okay. The, the other thing that, um, I, I have saved here on my phone, I'm not trying to bring the phone too, too closely. Um, he, he was talking about, um, people going to hell because they don't, believe in christianity and I, I think it's great that you know and I, i'm a firm believer in this as well is that um you know and it goes to the where we as christians say well god doesn't throw people into hell you throw yourself into hell right um but people go to hell because they sin but but here's the thing that people need to understand and what's part of the gospel we're all destined to go to hell because we all sin there's not one person who's perfect except for Christ, and he came to pay the punishment of death, right? Because that's the wage that is owed for uh, our sin, right? And that's why when we were in the garden, uh, God said, you know, hey, don't eat of this tree because you will surely die. Because, well, one, they didn't listen to him. They, uh, To me, that's like even more basic. Like, you didn't listen to your father, so now there's a punishment for not listening, right? So... Um, uh, so, you know, the, uh, the, the biggest thing I want people to know is that the, where we get the part of that people are throwing themselves in, into hell is that we are literally, um, saying, Hey, I want nothing to do with you at all. Uh, so Wednesday we're doing revelation. Um, you know, two weeks has been kind of quiet. Nobody's shown up. So I'm going to put it out in the podcast. Don't be afraid of revelation. It is a book of blessing. Come, come and see what it's about. Um, hold, hold on, hold on. I had to, had you on mute. There was a, I forget which president it was, but read it. He said, I read Revelation once, and it was a book of horrors, and I never opened it again. <laughs> I, I forget which president I was, that was. I was, was, was going to go somewhere else with that, but. <laughs> horrors. <laughs> Went in Rome. <laughs> Went in Rome. Um, so I'm going to put you back on mute just because of the echoing. Uh, so it, part of the what I'm going to speak about in Revelation is that God offers us more than 28 different, hey, I'm here to show myself to you. Because we're always like, show yourself to me and I'll believe. Even when he shows himself to us so we can believe him, we're going to be just like the Israelites and still be like, yeah, I still don't want you. So that's why the, the verse uh, says wailing and gnashing of teeth. That's the important part. The gnashing of teeth 
right? Is literally you grinding your teeth in such frustration. Like, I know I did that to you, but how dare you? How dare you throw me and give me what I wanted? I don't want to be with you, but how dare you give that to me? You know, so yeah, um, I, I, I think it's beautiful. Now, I'll let you speak on that before I go into the other part. So my thoughts on, yeah, he's tossing all the sinners in hell. Who's hell made for? It's made for the fallen angels, the, the angels that chose to be separate. Uh, and why is hell such a torment? It's not a torture. God, there's nobody down there like with devils poking at you and torturing. You're tormented. So it's something you're doing to yourself because of the knowledge you have. So it's the complete and other absence of God. We have God. God surrounds us right now. God is a cool breeze on a hot day. It's a cool drink of water. We have God's presence in all the little simplicities in life that are joys. That's God. Without God, that's hell. And we will be tormented because we chose wrong. And we, we will be like uh, the rich man calling up to Lazarus, please just dip your finger in water and touch it to my tongue, and that'll give me relief from what I'm missing because I have, I have no part of God here in this space. And yet in that story, never once did he said, hey, get me out of here. Because he knew he couldn't. He didn't do that. Yeah, yeah. He, but he did say, oh, go tell my brothers, go tell. Mm-hmm. And he was like, uh, he has, they have Moses and, if, and the prophets if they don't listen to them. I mean, that's, and that's where the weeping comes, right? There's going to be many of us um, who are going to be weeping because we're like, but I did all these things for you. I don't, I like, um, I, yeah, I sinned six days out of the week and showed up to the building. I mean, why would you throw me out, right? So, uh, and I know we can go into further doctrine when it comes to this stuff, you know, because it, it does get a little bit confusing. And the sense of, um, um, you know, that you just have to believe in Jesus. But the scripture also says you have to repent and be baptized. There's a lot of other things, right? Uh, but we're not going to go too, too far into that. But I am going to upset people right now. Mm. Because this question here can be asked um, within the big C. Um, because... If you are not a member of Church of Christ, you're going to hell. If you're not a Catholic, you're going to hell. If you're not a Latter-day Saint, you're going to hell, and so on. So I'm not picking on a denomination per se. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying the big church in general that um, we do have this we do have this problem in this view um, where we have to do apologetics within the walls yeah. itself. So go ahead. So I'll, I'll speak to the old cliche of only the churches of Christ are going. And uh, in the Bible, it says it does speak to the church of Christ, right? But I think that's the universal. The body of believers that have ever believed in Jesus are in the church of Christ. Be careful with the universal. That's Catholic. Okay. Everyone who has put their faith in Jesus is in the Church of Christ. So that can be a Catholic, that can be a Baptist, that can be a Lutheran, whatever. Whatever that is, if you in yourself have had that moment where you have put your faith in Jesus and, and, and followed what the Spirit has guided you to do, we're in the same body of believers. And I said it, I don't know if I've said it on this podcast, but we're going to be surprised who we see in heaven, and we're going to be surprised who we don't see in heaven. 
I, I would not be surprised who we don't see because, I mean, if I'm not up there, it's justified. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, 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 did I share that dream with you? Mm-mm. So I had a dream that the rapture happened and that we were set, uh, setting up for an event at the church building. Of course, Cody was throwing the event, right? Mm-hmm. So you know how much work that is. Mm-hmm. And uh, as people were helping, they just started suddenly disappearing. Mm. And I was like, it's happening. It's happening. And then that joy went to like, oh, my goodness. Dread. And at that moment, I had fear. I had fear in my heart. But you, you want to know what came out of my mouth? It's justified. Mm. And as soon as I said that, I disappeared. Hmm. Right? And, uh, and I've shared this in the podcast, and I've shared this in um, telling people my testimony. I had accepted going to hell hmm. before God was like, I have another plan for you. You know what I mean? So m- me following, following Christ has nothing to do with uh, entrance into the kingdom whatsoever. Did you accept it? Did you accept going to hell so you could be free to do what you wanted here? No. I accepted going to hell because um, during the break of what we talked about, mm. that um, I, did, I did horrible things in my life mm. that I don't deserve. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it one so bit. And that's why it's justified. It's justified 100%. But God said, yes, you're, you're absolutely right. It's justified. It, it, it's, it's just for me to send you to hell. But because that's not who you are anymore, I'm not sending you there. What you are is my adopted son. Amen. Christ. Amen. The devil has, doesn't no longer have that power in me. So when he tells me, hey, man, you deserve to go to hell. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. But Jesus. But Jesus. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, any anything else? Uh, yeah. So, I, and and I know once again, I'm not picking on any specific uh, um, denomination in in um, Christianity. But what I am picking on is on all of us to understand um, we follow the same. There's debates. I understand, but the if the pillars of what we're following are the same, right? We can go ahead and still disagree on things that we don't, because I, I can tell you, I love our church. I love our church a hundred, hundred percent, but there is some things that I'm still kind of like, Oh, I, I don't agree with it. Yeah. Right. But they're not salvation issues. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, if it was a salvation issue, then I would, I would voice up other than that. I'd be like, okay, uh-huh. we'll agree to disagree. Yeah. Um, but Hey, I, I love Christ. You love Christ. And we're trying to serve him. Let's go serve him. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I I have a couple more things here. I don't even know where they fit in the, the thing. I wrote something down, so I'm going to say it. Uh, death comes for us all no matter our choices. Like, I think he was, like, saying uh, something about, like, you, I, didn't, I, I died because I didn't go to the doctor. Well, it doesn't matter what we choose. Death is coming for us. And, uh, but. Why? Because we're mortal. Sin ultimately entered into our existence, and it's decaying us. It's decaying our living body, and uh, we have a second chance to be immortal. Well, you're, we're going to be mortal either way, right? Yes. Thank you. I, I think we've had that conversation. A lot of people think like, oh, I, I, there's a lot of people, and I was included one of those, that was like, oh, those who get in heaven get eternity, and then those who don't get into heaven have um, annihilation. Mm. And it's end of existence, Right. But his word, his word doesn't say that. His word says it's an eternal damnation, right? And 
so yes, everyone has eternity. So I've used I've used this analogy that Muhammad Ali has uh, had, had given. Sting uh, like a butterfly, float like, float like a bee. Uh, no, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> he, he's given some great ones, right? So, uh, but he 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 said to get because it's so hard for us to understand what eternity looks like. He used the Sahara Desert as an example of eternity. I'm gonna put you on mute really quick. Um, he said, you can imagine just the, how small a grain of sand is. This little grain of sand represents one lifetime. You can only go and pick up one grain of sand for each life that you have, but you have to clear out the Sahara Desert. And by the time that's over with, you're just at the beginning of eternity. Yeah. Um, I thought I made up something similar uh, about an ant. There's a string from the earth to the moon and this ant is taking grain by grain the entire earth to the moon and once he's completed that that's day one of eternity i like the other one better no (laughs) (laughs) but no yes but i'm glad you brought that up because death does come for everybody because it's the wage we have to pay for sin right and it's these half it's these half truths that the devil gives that causes us to do that. So when he told Eve, you surely won't die, he was implying that, hey, you're not going to die at this moment. You know what I mean? And uh, so when she took a bite, and she, obviously she didn't die, she went, went ahead and then go get, gave it to Adam. And so now um, both of them, um, right, are, are – he had he's like, I can't allow you to live anymore. I can't – you know, I'm not going to – he was such a loving God that he's like, I'm not going to kill you right now because that's what you deserve and and that's what the devil told him said god will not surely kill you and and there's a half truth there because he didn't just drop him dead but ultimately death entered existence entered this reality and then we would die eventually so the devil was half right he wasn't not gonna kill you he didn't drop him dead right then yeah and and i had one more thing uh, that this reality what what we're living in is a test, this is just, maybe just my thoughts. This reality is a test to see who is compatible with God to live with him for eternity. Himself? Well, like... Say it again. So this reality is a test for us to see who is compatible with God to live with him for eternity. So if we don't choose him now, we don't choose to live righteously if we don't choose to listen to our conscience those that have lived in the amazon and never known the bible they lived a righteous life because that's what inside of them they knew that that was the right way to live they are showing compatibility that they can live in heaven with god and coexist whatever i mean this, these are just my crazy thoughts but no so there is evidence for that show up wednesday revelation class <laughs> Another another cheap plug for Revelation right. there. So, But yes, because uh, I actually had a, a conversation with Sean regarding that specific subject, and it, it alludes back to um, Romans uh, 2 when we're talking about the Gentiles, right? That whether they know the law or not, it's still written in their heart, and their conscience tells them how to live, and they're going to be judged by those the way they live. So the compatibility. Compatibility that you're you were talking about, but uh, I, I thought you were asking me a question like who's compatible? It's like well, only God Himself is compatible. So, right. uh, thank you for clarifying. All right, cool. Let's go ahead and uh, move on to the the next video. 
works. Okay, this kind of springboards off of what you just said. How could a loving God send people to hell, um, especially mm -hmm. for all eternity? So this is about hell, but this has to do with the type of punishment. Why not just allow everyone to heaven, which you've already talked about, uh, but a temporary punishment? Why not have a temporary punishment for the people that have really done evil? And I think some, this goes into people yeah. have different views on hell as well, too. They do, yeah. Some Christians try and make the case that ultimate uh, or, or people that don't want to accept Christ will be punished for a short period of time or an appropriate period of time, and then they'll be annihilated. And some try and make the case for that. I personally don't think that case works, although it's not completely implausible. John Stott, who was a great... Uh, theologian who died maybe 10 years ago, he believed that. Mm -hmm. But I think where Jesus, I think it's in Matthew 25, talks about that uh, people who are unbelievers will be punished for eternity. And the same words there are used that you would use for eternal life. So if you're going to say that hell is only temporary, you'd have to say heaven is only temporary too, based on what Jesus says there. That's one of the problems with this temporal view. Mm. Um, but a couple of uh, questions that we should have. One is, well, yeah, doesn't it seem kind of overkill? I mean, if heaven is eternal, I'm sorry, if hell is eternal, uh, why are you punishing him for eternity when they just committed temporal sin? That seems to be overkill, right? Well, there's, I think there's two main responses to that. One is the length of the punishment doesn't always equal the length of the crime. For example, it can take you two seconds to shoot somebody, but that doesn't mean you go to prison for two seconds, right? Mm -hmm. You're guilty. Lock them up. Okay, let them out. No, I mean that <laughs> the punishment is going to last longer than the time it took you to commit the crime. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, depending upon who you commit the crime against, it might go on your entire life. For example, in some areas in America, we have a life without parole if you kill, say, a police officer. You might even be, you might even get capital punishment for killing, say, a police officer mm -hmm. uh, because the, the nature of the crime is so grave, even though the crime only took two seconds to commit. Mm -hmm. All right. The second aspect to this is who said that you stop sinning when you get to hell? You might continue to sin while you're in hell, weeping and gnashing of teeth. That gives the impression that you're still conscious and you're still gnashing your teeth against God. Mm -hmm. So that's why it could be, anyway, that the punishment continues because you continue to sin in hell. Mm -hmm. Whatever the case is, and we can't completely unpack this from the scriptures because the scriptures don't give us exhaustive information on heaven or hell. Mm -hmm. All we can say is, since God is the standard of goodness, rightness, and justice, nobody in the afterlife is going to be treated unjustly or unfairly, because by definition, he is the standard of fairness and justice. So we rest in the justice of God to say that whatever happens in the afterlife will be fair. Mm -hmm. Now, there's only two kinds of people in the world, as C.S. Lewis said, those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says, thy will be done. In other words, he's going to separate people in the afterlife. People that want to be with him will be with him based on the sacrifice of Christ, and people that don't will be separated from him, mm -hmm. and they will be treated fairly. Those who are separated from him will get justice. Those who accept what Christ has done will get grace. Those are the two things you get in the afterlife. You can get grace or justice. Justice is getting what you deserve. Mm -hmm. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mm -hmm. And that is forgiveness. Yeah. 
Yeah. And do you think that there's room for Christians to disagree um, about the temporal nature of hell? So like you have people who are smart, who might believe in annihilation. um, And then you have people who believe in a conscious eternal hell. And is it important to point out that Christians can have um, disagreements about this yet still be brothers and sisters in Christ? Yes, I think they can. Although I can't see how hell could be complete annihilation with no punishment. Yeah. Just you go out of existence because then justice isn't done. Hmm. I mean, th- think about how many people, Melissa, that have gone to their graves without ever punish, without ever serving any time or any punishment for their crime. I mean, there have been murderers, rapists, sex traffickers. Uh, Hitler himself hmm. basically yeah. never paid for his crimes on earth. He just committed suicide. He did not. He did not face trial. He did not spend any time in jail. Would it, would that be appropriate for God? Would justice be done if Hitler just went out of existence without any punishment? Doesn't seem yeah, to no, me that. Yeah, no, it's a valid point. Yeah. Good so point. there has to be some period of punishment. It would seem to me in the afterlife for justice to be done. Mm-hmm. Christians argue whether it's eternal or not. It mm-hmm. seems to me this the weight of the scriptural evidence is it is eternal. Mm-hmm. And I don't have any problem with that because I know God is just, Re- mm-hmm. regardless of what happens. God is going to be just. Okay, so just kind of springboarding, like she mentioned, off of what our conversation was already, uh, you know, just kind of doubling down. How can a loving God send people to hell? Well, I'm going to say it's uh, it's because of our free will. We have chosen to not follow God. So it, it's sadly, it's our choice. It's not his choice. He built hell for the fallen angels because of their choice. So... It was our choice to either choose him or to not choose him, to choose ourselves as God or to choose him as God. So we lived for ourselves selfishly. Here, we will die selfishly in hell, continuously die. Yeah, and uh, and so we talked about uh, nihilism uh, before this came up, and uh, he mentioned, you know, it's like, is nihilism just? It's like, okay, you're only going to pay for a small amount of time, right? And he brings up, you know that I know the conspiracy of us and stuff out there regarding Hitler, right? Mm. That's like, oh, he didn't pay for his crime because he committed suicide, so there was no justice that was served there, mm. right? At least here, in the in, if he did commit suicide, in this world, you're right. There's no, mm-hmm. there's no justice, but justice will be served to him, right? So, um, but I loved why the eternity portion uh, came out, right? As he said, who whoever said that we we would not stop sinning when we're in hell right and mm-hmm. um and to me i i can rationalize that because of who we are and what we're about and we're the gnashing of teeth which we just talked about how that all comes to play you know and to talk about the rich man and lazarus that he's like i i'm not asking you to get me out of here just give me some water mm-hmm. right he's still thinking selfishly versus saying you never said hey lazarus i'm sorry i never gave you anything <laughs> but you give me something mm-hmm. right did you ever think about that like in that that he never said sorry but he was demanding lazarus to to do something well he was requesting lazarus to do something was, for him when he didn't do anything for him i think i think he was pleading he, he was pleading i mean he He's in torment. He knows the truth of the matter at this point, and he wants his brothers to be saved. So the annihilation, I mean, me as a human, I, I want annihilation to sort of be true. I feel like that's humane. Like, right? That they, okay, 
give them a thousand years, whatever, a thousand years in hell, lake of fire, whatever you want to say, but to, to, to give it an end. I feel, but I want it to be true, but is it the truth? Yeah, yeah. And so there's doctrines out there that they believe it is their truth, and that's what the, that they were alluding to, right? And um, the compassionate part of us that, 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 that does. But um, it's still alluding to you have the ability to pay for your end or to pay for your salvation. Mm. And um, if we believe that Jesus is God and that he is the word and he is the truth, then we know we can't pay for ourselves, ever. So he said it and you said it again, like you won't stop sinning in hell. Will, can we have the opportunity to sin in heaven? So that, that's a very interesting question because I've brought it up. Um, so the parable of the, um, the banquet feast, right? Um, it talks about the guy that's there and he, he's not dressed in, in, in the white robe. And uh, the master comes up. He's like, my friend, what are you doing in here? And he's like, oh, I don't know. Like, basically, he's like, I don't know. And he's like, well, why aren't you just like, well, I don't know. He's like, well, you don't belong. I'm going to throw you out. Mm. So to me, it, it left me with the the idea. It's like, well, the angels have free will. We're, never once does it say that God's going to take away our free will. Have you read that our free will will be taken away? No. Yeah. Right. Well, so am I... No, you're, you're on. Oh, I'm on. So, um, so someone said this before. Uh, one of my Bible teachers um, said that we will not be less than what we are here. We'll be more than, right? So nothing will be, this is just human speak, nothing will be taken away from us. Just more will be added to us, right? So we'll still maybe have the ability to sin. But here's a little analogy, metaphor. I get them wrong, but this is what I've said. Here on earth, you have free will to go into your restroom and drink out of your toilet. Why don't you do that? Uh, I mean, it's not cold enough. It doesn't have any ice. <laughs> no, obviously, because it's disgusting, yes. Let's, let's say you go to a truck stop. I mean, that's just the most filthy. I mean, you would not drink out of that toilet, right? No. So, but a dog walks in, doesn't think twice. He's thirsty. He goes to the nearest water source. Is this filthy toilet. He drinks out of it. That's the nature of a dog. When we enter heaven, this is just my thoughts, that our nature will change. We will understand God. We will become more closer to know him, be closer to his nature than our nature. So on earth, we did things that were disgusting on earth. Our nature was sinful, right? We wanted to do that. We were like the dog drinking from the toilet. Didn't even, like one of the parables say, you, you go back, to, you're like a dog that returns to his vomit and eats it. That's the nature of a dog. Yeah, First Peter. Um, it's in First Peter. I know that. So, if if our nature changes, that means we still have the ability to do it. But just like we wouldn't go in here and drink from a filthy toilet at a truck stop, we're probably not going to choose a sin. But that's because we chose God. What if the people that didn't choose God here, their nature just can't change? They never had that nature to even begin with. So they get to heaven and they'll just sin. What if, what if we then have another heavenly rebellion like we did with the angels and like and then maybe some people that, I don't know, this is just out of my, it's called Bible fan fiction is all it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to wrangle you back because I, I have some other things I'm going to go in there, but uh, obviously uh, this is a pretty long podcast already. Um, 
but we can definitely talk in our break. <laughs> so just so you guys know, we started around 6.30. It's now 9.30 here. So uh, <laughs> there's a lot of conversation that is happening in between uh, the takes. And that's why we're, we're not doing this on YouTube or Rumble, because <laughs> I'll probably cut our streaming off. But to, to uh, reference, uh, once again, Matthew twenty five thirty two, that this sheep, this means that uh, that this is the compassionate that will sit in God's right hand and find salvation. And the goats are the hard hearted that will sit to the left and will be uh, sent to damnation. So it's our ourselves hardening our hearts to God and blaming him for what we did um, that will keep us from wanting to be with him. Um, you know, so, but yeah, in the break, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about things I should not talk about on here, but I think you're going to be like, Oh, I do. I, I could see that. But uh, I thought it was an, it was an interest, interesting question when you asked about, do we have the ability to, uh, sin and be thrown out of heaven? Uh, because I, sometimes when I read scripture, I'm like, it, it does, it does pose it now as, as I mature, um, I don't say that we don't have that ability, but we're not going to want to. So. Like I said, our nature has been our nature has been changed, so we'll still have the ability. But this is just me. Mm-hmm. But we won't want to do it, mm-hmm. just like you won't want to go drink that toilet water. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's go ahead and let's uh, watch the next clip. How do we know the Bible is? And this is a long answer. I know you have to okay. give a shorter answer, but how do you know that the Bible is reliable? Do we have any actual evidence for the Old Testament claims, like the army being wiped out in the Exodus? And how do we know that they recorded the truth and didn't make it up? Okay. Well, the way I learned, or the way I learned how to know that the Bible's true, and I'm really summarizing a lot here, Mm -hmm. is by pointing out, yeah, that truth exists, that God exists, that miracles are possible, and the New Testament's telling the truth about the resurrection. Because if those four things are true, that there's truth, that God exists, that miracles are possible— and the New Testament is reliable enough to let us know that the resurrection occurred, then Christianity is true. Because if mm. Jesus rose from the dead, game over for Christianity is true. Yeah. And, and so what we do when we go to a college campus is we present those four questions. Does truth exist? Does God exist? Are miracles possible? Is the New Testament reliable with regard to the resurrection? And uh, we give evidence that the answer is yes to all those questions. And if the answer is yes to all those questions, then Christianity is true. Now you say, well, I trust Jesus. Because, well, look, I just have a personal policy. If somebody predicts and accomplishes his own resurrection from the dead, I just trust whatever the guy says. And if Jesus rose from the dead, he, he affirmed the Old Testament as the Word of God, and he promised the New Testament. And so the reason I believe in much of the Old Testament, or let me put it another way, I believe in all the Old Testament, but the reason I believe in some of the Old Testament that I can't verify through archaeology or other historical means it's because Jesus believed that the Old Testament was true. But I think you can also get evidence that the Old Testament's telling the truth. It's certainly telling us the truth about in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Mm-hmm. Science and philosophy both show us that the universe had a beginning, and so there must be a beginner. I think there's evidence uh, about the Exodus. In fact, we did an entire podcast on that a couple of years ago with Titus Kennedy. You did. He's an archaeologist, uh, and he gives 10 lines of evidence from Egypt that the Exodus took place. Now, this doesn't prove everything in, in, in the book of Exodus, obviously. It's just mm-hmm. showing you that it appears that there was an Exodus. 
Okay, all, can all the details be affirmed outside the Bible? No, and, but that's true of every historical account. You can't yeah. affirm everything, right? Uh, so I think there's evidence for the Exodus. There's, there's, I mean, there's many Old Testament archaeological discoveries. They found the inscription to David. They found uh, just recently, it appears they found uh, the potentially the location of Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm, yeah. uh, they they found uh, so many cities in Jerusalem. The city of David is amazing when you go there. They may have found David's palace. Uh, they found uh, cities like um, Hazor. They found Jericho. They found Megiddo is huge. Have you ever been to Megiddo? Have you ever go to Israel? Megiddo is amazing. Mm. And there's so much that took place at Megiddo. Uh, there's, there's just, I've been to Israel several times and it's, yeah. it's, it's incredible, but the key reason I believe the old Testament's true is because Jesus thought it was true. You could, you can sum it all up into two, if you wanted to, Melissa, just for, mm -hmm. if you only had a minute with somebody, mm -hmm. why do I believe Christianity is true? Because there's evidence that God exists and Jesus rose from the dead. Yeah. Those two questions, because God has to exist in order for Christianity to be true and also to rise Jesus from the dead. Right. Mm -hmm. So if God exists and Jesus throws in the dead, game over, Christianity is true. Yeah, and I think that um, a lot of people ask me like where they should start with certain things with this, and I always say the resurrection. Mm -hmm. I'm like, if the resurrection is, is if you can really research that and really understand yep. the histor everything, the historical um, implications for that, because even skeptics are, they're to the point where it's like, okay, well, something happened, but we don't know what it was. You know, they're not denying that it never happened. Something happened to the disciples specifically, but we don't know. But it, it's, it can't be that he rose from the dead. I was going to say, it's interesting you bring that up because in recent years, mm -hmm. uh, the skeptical scholars, people like Bart Ehrman and others, mm -hmm. who know Jesus existed, in fact, to his credit, Bart Ehrman has slapped down some of the atheists out there who said, oh, Jesus never existed, Bart yeah, Ehrman said. it's on. so bad. I have such <laughs> yeah. secondhand embarrassment when people bring up that argument. I'm like, bro, yeah. no, <laughs> just stop. Mm -hmm. Ehrman, in recent years, has decided that he's not going to take an alternative theory to the resurrection. Hmm. He's not going to say, well, maybe it was hallucinations or maybe it was uh, the swoon theory, or maybe it was, they went to the wrong tomb or, you know, what, what, yeah. whatever the, 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 the current alternative theory is because he knows he's a smart man. He knows none of those things uh, will work. He knows that there are fatal flaws in all these alternative theories. And so he's just decided, look, I'm just, as you just said, I'm just going to say, we don't know what happened, but it wasn't a resurrection. Uh, now that's telling. Why? Because why couldn't it be a resurrection if God mm -hmm. exists? It could be, right? Mm -hmm. And it seems like the, the best evidence, or I should say the best interpretation of the evidence is that Jesus did rise from the dead. So we're not arguing over the evidence. The evidence is what it is. The, the question is, how do you interpret the evidence? And if God exists, resurrections are easy. God can create the universe out of nothing. He can resurrect Jesus from the dead easily, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a very fascinating topic. I love mm -hmm. like researching and talking about the resurrection. So I'm glad you brought that up because you can work back from there. So how do we know that the Bible is reliable? That, that, that was a great question to, to ask. Uh, I think, <clears throat> you know, obviously all these questions are coming from comments from her YouTube page that she's had, uh, but I still, I, I do know for a fact that there is still people inside the walls of our church that pose this question too mm -hmm. so how how do we know that the bible is reliable 
Uh, I mean, one thing that I, I thought was uh, interesting is how the dead sc- the dead uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered. Have you heard the story? Kid. Throwing rocks into Yeah, throwing rocks into a cave, hurts the crash. So they get the Dead Sea Scrolls, they read them. It's got the book of Isaiah, right? And it's prophesying all the Jesus. So it was whatever, a hundred thousand, whatever it is, thousand years before Jesus, four hundred, what is it? Yeah. yeah. It's something like that. Mm-hmm. All the prophecies were guaranteed, because that was one of the things that, oh, well, they just wrote this book after Jesus and they kind of made it look like it was older so that they... They locked into all these prophecies. Well, this is factual evidence that the prophecies were older than the man himself, so they were true prophecies. So, but yeah, and uh, not only that, they they found more, but the what was existing that was matching up with the current existing stuff that there was no variations. Mm-hmm. Right, oh yeah, to show that oh wow, the, and and what that does is uh, it throws away the telephone. Mm-hmm. Uh, game analogy that everybody wants to use against like oh you know it's been changed so much it's uh you know uh, <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. if if uh if this was just man doing it then we can assume that there will be changes but it this is kind of proof that god has been involved in the whole process of this book that men have been holding the pen or whatever and writing it down, but it's been divinely inspired that God has been working through these men. They've done all this stuff in their own style maybe, but God is kind of breathing that truth through them. And we see it through that the Dead Sea Scrolls, there's no difference. That, that nothing has changed, like you said, the, the phone. T- so that God was with all the translations as well that all these councils putting people together to transcribe and to keep the Bible going throughout the centuries, it hasn't changed. That's amazing to me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, there's uh, Egyptian steelies that are being found <laughs> that are matching up to Genesis. You know what I mean? Wow. Talking about uh, uh, Joseph, talking about, uh, uh, oh, I forgot the, the Pharaoh's name or the king's name. Um, starts with the A, but he was the second one. But the Steelies are proving, wow. uh, and it mentions um, uh, Yahweh in them, and the the nomadic people, which obviously was um, Israel, right? Yeah. Uh, talk about them being nomadic uh, for the forty years. Yeah. And you know, so these are things that are considered ancient, right? Mm-hmm. And what do the Egyptians have to gain by writing this down? Right. There's other ancient books and other ancient scripts like Homer and the Iliad and all these that are, there's less historical accuracy with them, but yet we, some, some people put more validity into those when there's almost no evidence that any of that kind of stuff actually happened. But with the Bible, there's so much more evidence. And... Yeah, and the problem with those those books uh, or what they have transcribed is that one of them is uh, student teacher, teacher dies, teacher or student becomes teacher and wants to be greater than his teacher, so they change the the viewpoints. Yeah, but as we see in scripture, it was never that. 
the authority has always been the authority. Everyone else has mm-hmm. been um, subjects of the authority. Yeah. And those books aren't religious books or anything, but they're they're kind of key to like you have something that's ancient and through time you don't know really how much validity is there, but the Bible, there's so much you can get into and find out about it that can build your faith in this book being old and accurate. Yeah. Even though it was not scripture to them, they built theology around them, so they might as well be called mm. it scripture. Okay. Do you object? No. No, I, I, I agree. I, like when I when I think like Muslims with the the Quran and the Torah and all that kind of stuff, it's not a a Bible that or sorry, a religious book that had is stood stood the test of time. Like it's it's those are not no one's reading them today and, and like thinking that's how things are, right? Like it's more or less that's those are mythology or whatever. Yeah, because when you actually so so we look at um, the way they write, even our, our scripture, there's certain ways that they write. So when we do look at those, they're usually are mythical. It's a mythical um, right a way of reading. I forgot what they call it, but right like ours, we have poems, we have prophets, we have there's uh, literary styles right mm-hmm. that they yeah. they write it in. So like. Uh, Revelations class is uh, apocalyptic. Apocalyptic. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. Daniel, it's, uh, Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, and it's knowing those in context, right? But even though that literally, that literature, it's already late. You know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> yep, I hear you. That style of writing, um, it's still all under his design of what he wants. Like you said, he's breathing mm-hmm. out his instruction, his story. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's all there and, and it all lines up like a, a jigsaw puzzle because he's the creator of that, of that picture that he's putting together. So, uh, what'd you think about, uh, his four things as a litmus test? I liked it. I mean, he even boiled it down to, does God exist? And did Jesus, was Jesus raised from the dead? Like, I think that's pretty, pretty succinct. Um, and it even says even the not deniers know something happened. So, but they're they're going to try to reason it to be something else. They're going to say, "What the Romans stole the body, or or, or the Christians stole the body, whatever it is." To yeah. So let's let's go into that because I just got done uh, watching this uh, guy on YouTube. He's um, his channel is nothing biblical, but he's he investigated the. Um, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus and why it's such a, a, a big deal. And so the Romans perfected crucifixion. They knew that you, you went to the cross, there, there's no coming back. Yeah. Right? So what does that mean if somebody was to come back from the dead? What, what, what does that mean to, to Rome? It means they uh, weren't as good as they thought they were at killing people. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's egg on their face, yeah. right? They they had a lot of pride in the what they did, and you know, there's like there's no way someone's gonna come come back from this. And the shameful way crucifixion was done. I mean, it it, it was more than just to kill somebody. It was to basically make them dirt, right? Yeah, and and it was uh, no Roman citizen 
would ever be crucified. So if you're a Roman citizen, it's like it was so bad that they wanted to say, no, if you're a Roman citizen, you, you will never be crucified, correct? I yes. think I heard, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because uh, anyone who's not a Roman citizen isn't dignified to have a, a, a dignified death. So um, so he, he, went, he, more, he went more into that. So just, just the problem of Jesus coming up and raising up um, posed this egg on their face. But secondly, um, and, I'm, and I search scripture, you know, typically Sunday school shows, oh, there was a couple guards. That's not the case. And even if it was a couple guards, let's just say it was two. These are not just your ordinary guards either, right? Um, I, wish Sean, I wish Sean was here because he can actually tell you what the actual ratio is when you have like a special forces guy how many people they kill to comparisons to what one, mm. one of them being killed the yeah. the huge amounts right and you're taking a bunch of uh, sh- um, fishermen uh, together I mean with the exception of Simon right the the zealot mm-hmm. uh, who's I would say would specialize in that that's that's one against two two elites yeah yeah right so that doesn't add up by itself right but um, we know that um, that it was more than two. Um, you know, it wasn't a legion, it wasn't, but it was a squad, which uh, means it's about 20 to, to 50. Oh, wow. So that, that was there, and they were talking about that. Um, but most of all, they had, they had the vigor to, to say, hey, we got to go disprove this, this, disprove that this man raised up from the death, from, from, from death. Um, because, one, uh, I'm a god. So this is from the Caesar of that time, right? Mm-hmm. I'm God. And that's why they killed him, right? That's That was ultimately what the charge was, that he he is a king and a God above Caesar. So Rome had interest of finding the body. They did everything possible to go find the body. So in, in the Catholic uh, faith, they talk about... Uh, 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 oh, my gosh. It starts with an A. He's, he was actually the centurion that was at the cross... Um, that was assigned to go go find to go find Christ. Oh wow! Yeah. So, um, and they, they they couldn't find him. So, that's what justifies. Um, so, in the case from Christ, this is something that J. Warner Wallace talks about: is that none of them, under extreme pain and, and torture, ever said we were lying. There's there's a funny. Uh video that's kind of out and uh it, it showed the 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 disciples all around the apostles and they're talking about jesus's death and like what what they're gonna do and like we're all gonna be murdered for what we're doing he's like well, well i don't understand why we're doing this like brutally murdered like it's i don't know i'm not giving it justice but it's hilarious it's, so that, that's babylon b yeah right? uh, so my question was why did they use the john as the doubtful one and not Thomas. Well, because it didn't even say Thomas. Like, you'll you'll back my. He's like, I don't know. He said something like, I forget what he said, but it it was, it was funny how. Oh, I got it. it because all, even the doubter was even like, the no, 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 it's cool, man. This this sounds like a good idea. Okay. But like, obviously, it wasn't like they had nothing to gain from this. They actually lost their lives. They probably destroyed any kind of um, life they had. They lived in poverty, running around, hiding. Uh, for the rest of their lives, they didn't live in the lap of luxury, uh, 
like signing books and having book deals about like their their letters and stuff weren't put together until after they are dead, right? I mean, so like they never even knew what all their writings would actually become. Uh, so yeah, they didn't gain anything. They lost everything and they died and not just died regular deaths, but like stoned to death and burned and, and just horrible things. I, I forget which uh, pasta it was, but um, one of them was skinned. Mm. If it was a lie and you're being skinned, I feel like you that's, would give it up. That's the time you're letting it. Yeah. You're, 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 you're saying the truth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So when you look at you look at those uh, four things and uh, for the litmus test, um, I think they're great because the first one, God existing, is super, is it's a perfect one because without God existing, then you can't raise Jesus, right? Because Jesus is God, He has the Spirit and the Father, right? So um, then it's not a fairy tale to believe that God can create miracles because he created everything just by speaking it out right and then we know that he's um truth so the the old testament his, his right the, the 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 hebrew bible right which is the old testament that it, it's it's literally true and it's um doubled down by jesus mm-hmm. believing right. yeah. wholeheartedly in the old testament well why because he was around in the old testament as we read the Old Testament, we see Jesus all over it. He's all mm-hmm. over the place, right? So he's there. Um, you know, uh, obviously, however you feel about this show, you, it's, it's your feeling, okay? Um, but there, there's a part in this show called The Chosen. I don't have to say more than that. Everybody knows what The Chosen is. <laughs> and uh, Jesus is asking, um, I want to say it was Peter, uh, or maybe it was John, but they were inside the synagogue, and they were getting ready for him to uh, read uh, in the synagogue. And he asked them, he's like, oh, which one should I pick? And he's like, oh, you should do this one. He's like, oh, yeah, that that was a really good time. Right. He's like mm-hmm. talking about his omnipresence. Like, yeah. yeah. And he's like, oh, you should do the beginning. He's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, like the the way they did it cinema wise, like, mm-hmm. wow, like. It draws you in to yeah. be like, wow, Jesus is God. He was there. He he was it like he was there at the beginning right because what does john uh, the book of john start with right in the beginning there was the word and the word uh, was god with, with and with god with, and he was god mm-hmm. right so yeah. um man and that's that's beautiful and you know uh, myself i i love evangelizing it's, you know and uh, sean had asked me he's like so when you go out and evangelize and give the gospel how, where do you start i'm like it's always john hmm. and it starts with john it starts with john and then I went through like all the other ones that I go through, but um, I think John does a great job because it starts there, right? Because so just so you know, from John I go to Hebrews because it talks about Jesus's authority in okay. the book of Hebrews. Awesome. So and then uh, I'll go back to Romans, which in the breaks I talk about <laughs> Romans. So. Everything goes back to Romans. Yeah, everything's Romans. You, if you don't know the answer, go to Romans. Go to Romans. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, just kind of going there. Uh, the key to everything is Jesus. Amen. And that's what I had. Did you have anything else on this? Uh, no, it says, the, uh, he said, if God exists, resurrecting Jesus is easy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I did hear someone state this, and it kind of made some sense, <clears throat> that out of everything that God has ever done, 
resurrecting Jesus was probably the hardest thing because the devil at that point knew God's plan and was probably every ounce of of Satan and evil was trying to make that to not happen. And that's probably the only time in creation that God's had that much opposition to not to have something not happen. And yet it was probably still easy. But like out of everything that was the hardest thing to make happen because he knew like the devil and everything was making sure that Jesus stayed in the grave and did not raise because uh, at that point the devil knew that this was how he's going to be beat. Yeah. If there's ever a time that you're going to make a stand for him, it's it's there, right? Yeah. yeah. And and when, once he was once he walked out of the grave, the devil knew, oh, okay, it's, it's over. Which now, um, now all he's playing is like, I'm going to eat as many people as possible because um, I know where I'm destined. And just, just so I can hurt you furthermore, I'm going to take many with me. You know? Yeah. And sadly, millions, billions, whatever it's going to be, will uh, buy into the devil's deception and uh, into their own selfish desires and claim themselves God over their own lives instead of, the God of creation. Yeah. Well, um, we're coming up to the last, uh, the video clip here. So, um, if you're still, uh, listening, I want to give you a round of applause because I probably would have quit hours ago. (laughs) So, all right, let's, let's go ahead and let's uh, listen to this last clip. With a terrible amount of evil in the world, it seems that a good God would do something to intervene. How can a God, how can God sit and watch and do nothing about evil? Mm, yeah, great question. Yeah. First of all, when someone brings up evil, you want to ask them, first of all, why do you ask that question? Mm. Because the answer is going to be different. If the person is just intellectually curious, then you can go into the philosophical answer. If the person just says, well, because my baby died two weeks ago, there's a different answer. You're not going to be talking about philosophy, right? They, that person doesn't need a philosopher. That person needs a pastor, somebody to sit side, beside them, somebody to comfort them, not somebody to give them intellectual answers. Mm. But why does God sit by and allow evil to occur? And I had that situation once at, um, I think it was at Michigan State University when uh, I was going through the, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist presentation. And I knew there was a militant atheist in the audience, Melissa, because Mm -hmm. he sat through the entire presentation looking like this. Angry. He didn't crack, he didn't crack a smile once. I had some pretty good jokes in there. Anyway, um, when it was time for Q&A, his hand went up immediately, and I said, yes, sir. And he said, if there is a good God, why doesn't he stop all the evil in the world? I said, sir, that is an excellent question. Maybe because if he did, he might start with you and me because we do evil every day. I mean, you ever notice that when we complain about evil, we always complain about somebody else doing it? It's like, hey, why don't you stop him or why don't you stop her? We never say, why don't you stop us? In fact, if God were to stop evil at midnight tonight, would any of us still be alive at 1201? I wouldn't be, right? Yeah, God could stop evil if he took away our free will. But if he takes away our free will, then we can't love, and this is not a moral universe anymore. And God thought it was uh, desirable to create a universe where love could exist, so he gave us free will. He gave us the ability to love, but that also gives us the ability to do evil. Mm -hmm. So God's ultimate solution to evil is he quarantines it. That's Mm. what hell is. It's a quarantine of evil. He doesn't annihilate those people, although some people say, as we said earlier, that maybe annihilation ultimately is what happens to them. But it seems the more scriptural uh, conclusion is that, no, he just quarantines them. 
He puts them in a place where they can't affect others. And so that's what God ultimately does to evil. Now, why, can, why does he sit by and allow certain evils to occur when we would go, hey, we would jump in and stop it? Well, we know, let's, let's, let's say, give an example that may, maybe can drive this home. Mm-hmm. Why does God allow babies to die, right? You might go, hey, that's, that's, if we could prevent babies from dying, we would, mm-hmm. right? Uh, well, we know why God allows babies to die in general, because this is a fallen world, and God can, of course, resurrect them in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. But we don't know why a particular baby dies. Why, why did my baby die? Why did your baby die? And the reason that we can't know that is because we're inside of time and God is outside of time. We know why babies die, but we don't always know why a particular baby dies, yet we know why we don't know why. We're inside of time. He's outside of time. Mm-hmm. And one insight that really helped me deal with the problem of evil, and if you haven't been bothered by the problem of evil, you probably haven't thought about it enough. But the, the insight that really helped me is something called the ripple effect, hmm. that every event that occurs affects trillions of other events rippling forward. Mm-hmm. So it could be that maybe a baby dying today ripples forward through a series of other events that contribute to bringing a great evangelist to earth 500 years from now who saves millions of people. We can't trace all those ripples, but God can. And he can bring good from evil. So even though evil things occur every day, the ripple effect can let us understand why we don't know why he allows certain evils. Because maybe he's allowing these ripples to go forward to create other uh, good things in the future. Mm -hmm. So he can respect free choice and allow us to do good and evil. But he can redeem evil through the ripple effect. He can bring good from bad even when we can't see it. And of course, we see that one example of that, we see it in, uh, in Genesis 50, when uh, Joseph, the Old Testament Joseph, is sold into slavery by his brothers, and, mm-hmm. and somehow he makes it to Egypt, and he goes through a lot of pain and suffering there, but then he becomes the number three person in charge in Egypt, puts a whole bunch of grain aside, and then the very family that sold him into slavery mm-hmm. leaves Israel to escape a famine. They get to Egypt, and they see Joseph And Joseph recognizes them. And what does he say to them? You dirty rats, you're going to pay for what you did to me. No, he doesn't say that. He says, what God, what what you meant for evil, God meant for good, the saving of many lives. Mm -hmm. In other words, the evil that the brothers did to Joseph actually rippled forward to help them later. Mm -hmm. They, they, They actually got good from doing evil later. Now, obviously... We don't want people to, to do evil to get good, but God, the point is that God can bring good from evil. His sovereignty and providence, yeah. For me, what that does is it springboards off of the whole argument for violence in the Old Testament as well. When mm-hmm. it comes to like, um, well, that's evil. And then the whole moral argument you made before, because I can see people asking about that as well. And the answer you gave here and the answer for uh, you know, the, the justice of God kind of can come into that. And you, you mentioned Paul Copan a lot on that as well mm-hmm. for why does, is it God, why does God allow suffering or evil? Is it Paul Copan that does that? Or is it the old Testament? Uh, well, Paul Copan has a book called, um, is God a moral monster? I have it on my shelf here somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that little book is a great book on pointing out here. It is it's right here. This book right here for those watching. Uh, yeah. YouTube. Okay. Uh, this book can really 
answer a lot of questions about the Old Testament God. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that much of what we read about in the Old Testament, it's not evil for God to judge sin. Mm-hmm. That's good for God to judge sin because he's the judge, right? He is the standard of justice and he can judge sin and he does judge sin. Uh, we look at it and go, oh, why would God kill kill all those people? Maybe he killed those people because they deserved it. We never think of that, right? <laughs> oh, they're just innocent people like us. No, they're sacrificing their babies to the molten hot metal uh, idol Molech. They're putting their babies on the arms of this of this metal god, watching the babies sizzle to death. Mm-hmm. And you know, on every college campus that I go to, Melissa, I I hear people saying, "Well, if there's a good if there is a good God, why doesn't He stop all the evil in the world?" Well, here's an instance in the Old Testament where God says, "That's it. There's too much evil. We got to wipe these people out." And the atheists are complaining about it, right? They're going, "Oh no! Why why would God stop all this evil?" You just, you just got done saying God should stop evil. Then in the Old Testament, when he does, they go up. He shouldn't have done that. And a great way to to end is why doesn't God do something about evil? Clint? Well, uh, evil that people do. Yeah, stopping evil that people do. If God stopped a person from doing evil, then he's taking away their free will. And then then he should just make us all love him and do good deeds, right? So if he stops someone from doing evil deeds, then why doesn't he just do the opposite and just force everybody to do good and love him? That goes against this entire plan of what this reality is set up to do, right? To let us experience life, to search him out, to seek him, and to love him on our own, not by any forced coercion. I love the way... uh frank realizes to to melissa uh that he was that he had that uh person that came up to the uh this or the student that came up to the when he was at the at the university and he's like you know if we have such a good guy why wouldn't he just stop all the evil uh he goes well well the good thing is that he doesn't because then he would probably start with me and you right because we're all evil so it's really understanding what who are you asking him to stop? <laughs> and then it goes back to the moral character, like, <laughs> right? On, who, the, on your morality base or on God's morality base, are we going to judge who, who he should stop? And we do have this issue when he does step in that we then tend to blame him and be like, well, no, why'd you do it that way? And we have great examples in the Old Testament, right? And people will use this against God. They'd be like, oh, he he went in and he committed genocide and he forced them to do all these different things and that's not just. And, um, you know, and Frank kind of touched that. He was like, well, it, have you researched these people and what they were <laughs> doing? I go, there, there's, there's a lot there. Um, but g- him being a just God, he did the same thing to the Israels, Israelites. Opened up the earth and swallowed up like 2,000 of them. Well, he sent the uh, Assyrians and he sent Babylon. Yeah. But right. I mean, he himself yeah. killed, I mean, he just opened up the earth. Yeah. It didn't send anybody to him. He's like, he yeah. just swallowed them up. Yeah. Now, what happened to them eventually? Did they go to heaven? Or, I mean, we don't know those things, but maybe that for their punishment was just uh, their life on earth was done. <laughs> yeah. So. And, and we were just kind of talking about it um, here in between um, our little breaks, um, kind of talking about these ripple effects um, 
butterfly effect. The butterfly effect, <laughs> yeah. Um, we always want to. You, you brought up this. Uh, I'll, I'll let you kind of talk about it. Let's go ahead and bring it out um, about this African beetle. Mm. Well, I had heard this. There's some sort of bug. This this guy brings this up, and and it was hard for me to grasp. But I don't know the name of the bug or whatever. But something this thing exists. It just like goes into this kid's eyes and like they it just eats their eyeballs out or something like that and stuff like that it that is not an evil that a person does but it's it's sort of like this innate evil in creation or like this this destruction that's in creation that's destroying life and the only thing that I can I have against the, or that I can say anything to is like we live in a fallen world broken by sin like this this was not designed to be like this. But because sin has entered, it has perverted creation. And things have happened that God didn't intend for there to be in the garden. So I'm going to be insensitive a, a bit, right? It's going to sound really insensitive because, man, that does that, that sound awful. You're absolutely right. What does this young child that was probably laying on the floor get this bug, put it on its eyes, and then it ate out his eyes? Like, what fault did, did they have, right? So we're going to talk about a ripple effect. Well, what if uh, God allowed this to happen because um, him being able to see the future that this young child in whatever their background is, right? More likely, let's say that they're uh, praying to uh, a wooden God or a metal God, right? Whatever the case may be, kind of when they're talking about uh, Israel and these other... um, uh, nations that they were um, basically murdering their babies to these idols. Milan. That it, it could be that hey, th- this I saw this because I'm stepping in right now at this moment. This person won't be able to drive and kill a hundred thousand people because he would have been a warlord in this country that mm. that we see. Right? We we don't get to see that. Yeah. Only God does. And, right. And but we want to be Job. And be like, why, 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 why? And then God comes down and gives us an answer, right? And uh, I can tell you, uh, God, God's okay with us asking questions. But when we think we're holier than him and he steps in, I'll probably be like Job, like, ah, I was just kidding. Uh, yeah. Dad, no. Stand, stand there and take this. Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, um, we, we, we just, we want to insert our own moral character and judge God. When the truth is he needs to be judging us for exactly what we are, which is evil. Um, you know, so that's that's my take on it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's I mean, it's sad. It's sad we live in in a broken world that people choose to choose evil over good. They choose selfishness over selflessness. That I mean, I do this in my own life. So I do it on a you could say a smaller scale than um, some other dictators have done in the past, and but it's it's all rooted in the same thing: selfishness. You want what you want. You you want more power. You want more money, more women, whatever it is, and you're willing to just take it. And it kind of takes it back to the very beginning when I, I said something about um, kindness. Like kindness is a weakness to the people that are ungodly. Like just take what you want. And that's ultimately what these, in life, when you get more power, generally, that, that's corrupting you. It's kind of like, what is it, uh, power corrupts, uh, 
I can't, I, I'm losing the thought. Uh, Power Corrupts, oh, something like that. Anyway, it's like from a movie or something like that. I thought it was Spider-Man. <laughs> Maybe uh, it's not. I, I, I read books. I don't watch you movies. You read books? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you heard last week? I'm I a dummy. Ta- uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm God is for dummies. You heard last week? I was t- talking to Sean about that. I was like, I was like, I gotta stop asking you if you watch movies because you don't. You, you uh-huh. read books. <laughs> I- I'll just take your word for it, bro. As I don't know where you got it from, but it sounds like it'd be a movie. <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, and he Frank mentioned, you know, when it's talking about um, hell, um, you know, that it's quarantine for evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see that in the Old Testament, right? When somebody's unclean, what does God say? Get them outside yeah. of the camp mm-hmm. until they become clean. Right? Yeah, so. there's rit- rituals and stuff they had to do, but I mean, yeah, and that takes it back to another thing. Like this life is to find out who's compatible with God. Mm-hmm. And if, if if you choose to do these things over what God wants you to do, then yeah, quarantine. He's, you're going to be separated from eternity because. You can't be, I mean, okay, we're both fathers. And we want our kids to be godly. We want want them to be righteous and all this stuff, right? And they're hanging around some kids that are bad influences. What are we going to try to do? Isolate them. Mm -hmm. Remove those bad influences, right? Take them out. Have them not associate with... So. Ultimately, I think that's, yeah, like you said, what, what God's going to do in the end, like take away these bad influences, and then he's, he's going to, we're going to enjoy eternity with God, with all the ones that have chosen him. Yeah. And he's chosen us. Correct. That's the, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, that's and the we deal. are all, no, no one is, finds God on our own, right? Yeah. We're all drawn in. Yeah. Uh, we, well, I, I, I I don't say it like in the sense of the elect. Yeah. Um, I say it that God is always choosing man. Okay. It, it, it's just we reject him. Yeah. Right. And it's weird because we need to be on his side, right? He's choosing to be by our side, but we need to be on his side of things. And that's what I'm saying. He's, he's, he's choosing his creation. He's choosing his creation. And uh, I'm going to leave it at there because we're we're almost actually not only done with the podcast, but we're actually almost done with the day. Dang, it's eleven so, o'clock now. 11 yeah, 04. it's eleven o four. So, um, like I was telling Clint, I completely understand why um, our group of young adults do not volunteer to help with the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, today was special because you know uh, my family's out of town and my kids uh, are at some kind of camp thing so it yeah we had a lot of free time today yeah yeah so i thoroughly enjoyed it thank you so much for coming and uh filling in uh for for sean it's always a pleasure to have you and to have your insight here well and uh, I, I i i think y'all are doing an amazing job and I, i'm just happy to be a small part of it oh man we're all a small part uh at the end of the day, it's all God's glory, and we hope that what we went over today illuminates your world. Take it and use it for God's glory and be a, a candle in this dark world for someone. And um, for those who get this joke, go put out your VBS signs. <laughs> With all that being said, may God bless you, and uh, we love you. God bless. This concludes this week's podcast. Just remember, when the world tries to get you to backslide, all you got to say is... Nah, bro.